Well, uh, let's start over again, I guess. <laughs> Welcome to Talking Heads, everyone. <laughs> Episode 178, your once week live show, the latest in beer and tech news. I'm Jeff. I'm Steve. Welcome to the show, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us on this Wednesday night or in podcast form on the replay over on Anchor.fm or wherever your favorite podcasts are found. If you've never seen the show before, we talk beer, tech, games, pop culture, entertainment, and tonight there will be Star Trek. Yes. This is a family-friendly show in both language and content, and all Super Chats are read on the air so long as they meet those family-friendly criteria. Mm. We do drink alcohol on the show, especially now. I think I'm going to need a second one of these. Uh, <laughs> and if you're drinking along with us, alcoholic or not, not let us know in the chat and we will give some yeah. early show shout outs as we go along although less likely now since we're 15 minutes behind schedule yes that's right i am getting a weird sense of deja vu though i am yeah it's like we've been here before something like that yeah and if you want to join the here? super secret chat and the even more super secret after party, think about joining the Floatplane or Patreon. Links are both down in the video description. As mm -hmm. a bonus, you'll get exclusive access to my Discord server where you can chat with myself, John, Rhett, Steve, all of the hosts from Talking Heads, and join the awesome and ever-growing community over there. Yep. I already asked you asked you how you were today, Steve, but... Uh, and I said I was great. And how's it going, man? Wait, wait. It's, it's going great. It's going, going really great. good. It's good. going better now that everybody can see my beautiful face. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly what i was hoping for yeah and we're already we already we already cracked open our drinks too we already started drinking we did so that's that's even better well we can cut out some of the intro then steve we could. what are you drinking for your first one I, I'm, I'm drinking for my first one it's called puff puff passion it is a uh dry hopped passion fruit sour ale by ex novo it's got sexy lady on the can so that's why i picked it make out with her the beer <laughs> half the half the time you buy beer because oh that sounds good the other half yeah, it's, looks, it's, that looks really cool i like, I like the can label. art <laughs> well, that is a thing because like i've seen lately how they will copy uh like brands of stuff yeah and people be like oh that's clever and they'll yeah. buy it you know fruit like, striped gum it, like, or, yeah like fruit striped yeah. gum or something like that <laughs> yeah they'll use I've recognizable seen... enough imagery and colors yep. where it's you could call it copyright infringement or, or trademark yeah. infringement or what but at the same time it's also not because it's parody and so yeah. it's this real fine line that a lot of breweries yeah. try to try to skirt and but sometimes people, put their foot over the line <laughs> yeah yeah but people they're, they're, they're clever enough and people buy them so yeah because there's a few of them that are just like they must have some kind of like the Adrot theory where they have all the G.I. Joe characters on the front. They must have some kind of like permission <laughs> yeah. from Hasbro to do that. Something, you would yeah. think. All right. Let's see. John Jay has got a Pineapple Farm Hazy IPA from uh, Coronado Brewing. Mm. Uh, let's see. And we all must have been talking amongst ourselves. Yeah, that's pretty much what was going on. We, yeah, that's what we were doing. Skull's got a surly brewing. Give the devil nice. his due. Double dry hopped, hazy double IPA. Oh, wonderful. Uh, LMG Kyle is drinking Jägermeister. Hmm, okay. <laughs> I'm not a big fan of Jägermeister, but hey, to each their own. Yep. Uh, Fancy's yeah. got a nice bottle of water. Uh, was it like Perrier or you... Dasani. Yeah, Dasani. <laughs> Dasani, you know. Don't give me some of that. What's what's Pepsi's brand? Uh, uh, Aquafina. Aquafina. Don't give me yeah. that crap. Vitamin At least go water. Smart Water. I want I want I want to go one up from Vitamin Water and get steroid water. Steroid water with steroids. Yeah, it's for the you know the people who you really want to you know get some gains. Just go straight but Brando. It's got calories. what plants need. Yeah, it's got what plants crave. That's what, that's what plants crave. 
Uh, build from above, drinking a Mexico mule tonight. I'm assuming that's a tequila mule. Excellent. Yeah. Uh, Sabro, sipping on gin and juice. Nothing wrong with that. I love gin and juice. Uh, Costco lemonade, cut with water. Ooh, that is from, too uh, hard for me. That's from Awesome Physics. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whoa, slow down. Yeah, come on. It's just borderline illegal, guys. Uh, Lethal's got a dragon's milk. Dragon's milk's great. Yes. Uh, Magic Rat's got a Noble Oak Bourbon. I've not heard of that distillery. Mm-mm. Uh, Leon's got a Monster Pacific Punch. Keeping the uh, energy going in this late night. Tikaz has a ginger tea, <laughs> and Joe is drinking a Space Dust. Excellent. Mm, John's, John's got O'Doul's. <laughs> John's got O's O'Doul's. <laughs> yeah. Which is apparently his favorite yeah. non-alcoholic beer. Yes, that's the one he picked out. He, he did, so we, we have, you know... As people who don't know me and John are brothers, and uh, all our family live in the area, and so at least once a month we have a family dinner get together, and uh, you know me and John usually bring some beers, uh, but this time since John's doing the non-alcohol stuff, uh, he brought all the non-alcoholic beers, so I got to try some of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and <laughs> I, I, I didn't like any, <laughs> didn't like any of it. I mean, it it tasted like beer, but it just you know it wasn't great. Right. Yeah, just because you put hops and malt in it does not a beer make. Yeah, yeah no. Yeah. Um, there, there's. I'd be more interested in trying some of the craft non-alcoholic ones, but yeah, the, the domestic, the domestic ones were not, were not yeah. good. I, I will say, uh, uh, what is that? The the Klaus Tyler's, the uh, the hopped mm-hmm. German waters. Those are actually really, really oh, yeah. tasty. Lagunitas puts out the hop water, mm-hmm. which I find excellent tasting. It's, it's zero calories. It's really crisp, good. Crisp, refreshing. It's yeah, it's solid. Yeah, it's tasty. Um, Yep. All right. And I am drinking from Old Town Brewing, uh, their Pillow Fest Hazy IPA. Oops, mm-hmm. wrong button oh. there. There we go. Yep. Uh, this is a 6.8% hazy, tropical, juicy, and ripe is mm-hmm. what they call it. So uh, Columbus Citro Mosaic and Amarillo Hops, which is kind of an interesting combo now that I yeah. think about it. How does it taste? You already worked on it. Mm-hmm. Pretty good. Uh, it's a hazy. I mean, yeah, that's a figure. Yeah, like I mean, mine is like I it it tastes fine. It just tastes like a sour with passion fruit. I don't I, get too much hop notes in it. But. What's funny is before you said the word passion fruit, the thing I was thinking was this smells actually slightly like passion fruit. Oh yeah, uh, and maybe a little lemon. Like it's mm. it's definitely on the the super soury bitter bitter side yeah. of things, mm-hmm. uh, but still citrusy, uh, oh. and uh, yeah, like grapefruit, lemon rind melon rind kind of like it's that bitter sour yeah but, the, the kind of the kind of flavors you get from those those citrusy style hops yeah right, like exactly the, yeah. Mm-hmm. so yeah definitely an interesting hop mix um definitely acidic and mm-hmm. definitely one that after half a pint that's all you're going to taste for the next two yes days. yes we've so, talked about how those hazies just kind of coat your tongue which, with that uh lupulins and just like ugh, after right. a while you're like uh which unfortunately may make me not enjoy my second beer quite as much. I didn't think this one through. Well, just off camera, just get a tongue scraper and just. Yeah. I got the bottle opener. Oh, that, that'll work. There you go. Yeah. Don't do it off camera. Just do it on camera. Okay. <laughs> yeah, just do it on camera. <laughs> this is my show. Yeah, you can do what you want. That's right. Uh, Novella Hub, $5 donation. Thank you so much, buddy. Uh, Montgomery Brewing, uh, Grootsling, barrel-aged Russian Imperial Stout, 10.3%. Oh, nice. Nice. Uh, 
And Parker, $5 donation. Good night from Oscar Blues here. Oh, yeah. Wonderful. Sounds delish. All right. Let's go ahead and get into some news now. There we go. So uh, this is a story that's kind of come up and then died and then come up and then died again. And now it's back up again. Uh, And that is Ubiquiti suffered a breach back in January. So January 2021, just a couple of months ago. Mm -hmm. And the reason it keeps coming back up is new information keeps coming out about what the breach actually was and how bad the breach actually was, as well as Ubiquiti's own internal security policies are coming into question. Um, So uh, the story goes in January, uh, an unknown third party gained access to Ubiquiti Network's uh, internal files. Uh, So databases, customer records, source code, etc. And... They, they said this was up to a third party. They, they hacked into a third party and acquired this material from them. So, you know, we're not at fault, guys, was kind of the, the thing from them. But mm-hmm. they didn't do a great job disclosing what the potential issues were. Because they said uh, that usernames, email addresses, uh, and some customer information may have been made available, as well as salted hashed uh, passwords but if they have the master keys, they may be able to unsalt them. Yep. Uh, so the recommendation from everyone except Ubiquity was, if you have a Ubiquity account, reset your password. Yep. Uh, just to be on the safe side. Uh, well, Ubiquity didn't disclose this until March, which is not nearly as fast as I'd like them to no. be, but it's also not waiting six months either. And so it's, yeah. it's kind of hard to say from January 14th to March 2nd, you didn't do it fast enough, but I also kind of say they didn't do it fast enough. Uh, disclosures should be yeah. your secondary priority next yeah. to figuring out what the hack was and then cordoning off that information. I mean, that's yeah. that's one and two. That's that's your your first remediation step. The second step is figuring out what data got out and who do we need to tell? Uh, yeah, they did not do a great job telling people about this data breach. Yeah, and that was one of the things that I think the bad news about this particular breach, anyway, that was outlined in the article, is that the the SQL level, the database level, mm-hmm. they didn't have any logging on there, so they don't they didn't really know if people access this or not. So they have to assume that somebody did, because the vulnerability that that the hacker got into mm-hmm. would have had access to this data. Right. But they have no logging, so they don't know if they did or not. So I guess you just kept to assume that they did. Right. Um, so the official word from Ubiquity was, Dear customer, we recently became aware of, an, of unauthorized access to certain of our information technology systems hosted by a third-party cloud provider. Uh, we have no indication that there has been any unauthorized activity with respect to any user accounts. We are not currently aware of evidence to access any databases that host user data, but we cannot mm-hmm. be certain that user data has not been exposed. Right. Um, this may include your name, email address, and one-way encrypted passwords to your account. Uh, so the passwords are hashed and salted. So to their credit, they did properly manage their, their internal password structures. 
Um, That's good because we, we we've come across several stories where that, they, they did were just not. plain text on a <laughs> server, plain text, plain text passwords. In in yes. some cases, on a web server that was accessible yep. to the public. Um, yep. Those are the bad ones. Yes. Uh, anyway, uh, so the reason this is back in the news now is the disclosure was, I believe, on March second of this attack that happened sometime in the middle of January, um, and so. It kind of rose in the news and then fell, but it's coming back into the news because there's an internal whistleblower at Ubiquity who says he was involved in the remediation process and and the uh, the postmortem process. And you this was a much larger breach than Ubiquity let on, and it was also not a third-party vulnerability. Uh, this was not... Uh, someone accessed data that was that was hosted on a, a third-party vendor with us. This was the third party was Amazon Web Services hosting Unify's internal data. Yeah. Um, so this was not a third party breach. This was a first party breach. If you're renting the server space from Amazon, they're your servers. Yeah, they're your servers. Like, let's let's be realistic about <laughs> this. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, that's like... Gosh, that's someone like, hacks someone hacks into your network and gets access to wherever it's being hosted on. It's not the host's fault. Right. It's still your it's still your security. Right. Well, it could be the host's fault. It could in, be in the case from, of like NordVPN last year. Right. 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 Um, yeah. But but this was not the host's fault. This was yeah. not, and and they were trying to make Amazon fall on the sword, and uh, just because it was a third party cloud service doesn't mean that your password wasn't leaked. Yeah. And that's precisely what happened. The whistleblower claims on Tuesday this week, uh, so I'm just going to go ahead and put this up on screen. Uh, in reality, Adam said, the attackers had gained administrative access to Ubiquity servers at Amazon's cloud service, which secures the underlying server hardware and software, but requires the cloud tenant to secure access to any data stored there. Uh, so they were able to get cryptographic secrets for a single sign-on cookie and remote access, full source code content, uh, and signing uh, signing keys exfiltration. So they got source codes, uh, base software, and all of their signing keys. Uh, so if you have not changed your password, change your password. Yeah. Um, Adam says the attacker, uh, and Adam is a a pseudonym. Uh, they're they're calling the whistleblower Adam just for ease of writing. Yeah. Uh, so Adam says the attacker has access to privileged credentials that were previously stored in the LastPass account of a Ubiquity IT employee and gained root administrator access to all Ubiquity AWS accounts, including all S3 data buckets, all application logs, all databases, all user database credentials, and secrets required to forge single sign-on cookies. That's a big deal. Yeah. <laughs> That's a huge deal. That is much bigger than Ubiquity led on of they had access to our databases, but we don't feel that there was any uh, any targeted information. Um, they had root access to yeah. everything. <laughs> they had the keys to the kingdom. Yeah. Which is always bad when you have, you know. <laughs> Novella Hub says Ubiquity 1, 2, 3, 4. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, um, this was not, this was not a good hack. This was not a, uh, Skull said it perfectly in the, in the chat. My one reaction to this is thinking of Ubiquity, I expected better. 
Yeah. I expected better from a lot of different regards in this. I expect them to have better internal security first and foremost. Um, I was a systems administrator for 10 years. At my rinky-dink uh, enterprise setups, we had better internal security and auditing than it appears Ubiquity does for their entire system. Unless, I was about to say, even if it was like the CTO's credentials were mm-hmm. were were breached, why does the CTO have root access? Yeah. That's what should. I want to know. Is, is not even I had root access to things that I didn't need. And I am yep. the administrator. Yeah. My, my account credentials don't cross that line uh, if I don't need onto that server. Now, I do know where to get those account credentials, but we kept those divided between a couple of employees. And if you got root credentials, it was for that one system. Yeah. It so wasn't compartmentalized, right? Right. It was compartmentalized. Yeah. Everything yeah. internally, security wise and validation wise, was always compartmentalized to what do you need access to. We use service accounts for, for administrative access to local servers, local machines, etc. Mm-hmm. So if a password was breached, it was, oh no, they have access to our HVAC system and only our HVAC system. Yeah, Guess what? We can it. change one password and we're done. Yeah. And, and so it wasn't that big of a deal. And then you're, or they got access to our employee database or they got access to this or they got access to that. But one password does not get you into the entire system. Uh, So my first question to Ubiquity is who had root access to everything? And why Why? did they have root access to everything? I don't care what the position was. That's unacceptable. Secondly, they needed to be way more upfront with their disclosure. We recently became aware of unauthorized access to certain of our information technology systems hosted by a third cloudy provider. It doesn't matter if it was third party. If you are renting the server space, you take ownership of what happened. Right. It doesn't matter if they breached the Amazon credentials using an employee's LastPass login or if they breached your servers using your LastPass login. It was your employee who was breached. That's Indeed. your responsibility. No no clever words here in passing the buck on a third-party provider, regardless of how technically true that statement may be. It's a third-party provider. We just pay for it. Uh, (laughs) like, well, I mean, even, even once it's, once it's announced that it was, you know, Amazon, the implications are, well, if this is Amazon's fault, then an Amazon host for a lot of people, right. That would indicate that there's a flaw in Amazon systems, right. Which has bigger implications for everybody else. You're you're half a sentence away from slander right there. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) So, so that's my second thing is don't pass the buck when it was your problem. Thirdly, what are you doing to remediate this kind of attack in the future? There is no information in this email, nor in a postmortem or anything else, on how they will be changing security policies in the future to make sure this never happens again. And fourthly, and and this is really sad that this is fourth on the list, is the timeliness of your disclosure and what was in the disclosure. Because all you say is it may contain username, email, and one-way encrypted password. If they had root access to everything, they have mm-hmm. access to everything. They have access to credit card data. They have access to transactional data. Oh, yeah. They have access to geographic IPs. They have access to this, to that. Because remember, Ubiquity is not just a hardware hardware 
uh, vendor, they sell you the device so you can host your own uh, network wherever, but they provide a cloud login so you can log into it from wherever, which means your account credentials log into your router and your account credentials are also linked to your Unify account, which has your credit card, your billing address, Mm -hmm. your shipping address, your everything else. That's more than they disclosed. Yeah. And I guarantee that information was inside of that root access if they had root access to their Amazon Web Services account. So, again, Skull said it best. I expect better. Better. I expect better of such a large company. Um, Ubiquity is, is still not the biggest network hardware provider, OEM, manufacturer, whatever you want to call mm-hmm. them. Uh, you know, Cisco, Meraki, Aruba. Yeah, they all tower over them. Uh, HPE, you know. But Ubiquity is not exactly a small player either. I mean, they're still no. a multi-hundred million dollar business. Well, they're publicly traded. They're so publicly traded, which they got, means... They got sh- which means you have enough money to hire a security analyst, which means yes, you, you have do. enough money to hire internal security auditors, which means you have enough money to be pen tested, which means you have enough money to do all of the things that you should be doing as a, as a cloud provider of services. I expect better. And that's coming from someone who has bought Ubiquity yeah. gear for like 10, 11 years. Like... Back to like their very first access point and switch. You need you need one of those those uh, Game of Thrones bells where you just go shame. Right, shame, shame. <laughs> right. Um, so I'm disappointed, and, and and again, I've 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 done this rant a couple of times where I'm disappointed in a company because I expected better of them, where they've let me down based on the support or the expertise they've given in the past. Ubiquity is a networking company. Yeah. Network security should be first and foremost in their mind at in every aspect of their mm-hmm. business. And this one was just a complete drop of the ball. Yep. Someone got fired probably, for sure. Yeah, but this isn't going to stop me from you buying Ubiquity hardware, but it is going to make me pay much closer attention over the next year. Mm-hmm. I'll say that much. Oh, yeah. So, uh, $5 donation from uh, Enga. Uh, thank you so much. I've uh, been thinking about building an FFmpeg encoding machine. I've seen socketable Xeon Phi chips. Uh, I don't want GPU encoding, CPU encoding for quality. Uh, number one, it depends on what quality you are shooting for because the new NVENC encoders on touring NVIDIA cards and above is freaking phenomenal. Uh, and if you can get a hold of a 3000 series card or one of the uh, AMD 6000 series cards, they do AV1 encoding, which if you have compatible software, will blow CPU quality out of the water in both time and actual end quality. Um, I shouldn't say blow it out of the water, but again, depending on what you're doing, it's likely an imperceptible difference. Even with the new NVENC encoder, the the, the uh, X265 encoder uh, that NVIDIA has on their Turing and Ampere-based cards, that encoder is phenomenal and is equivalent to, I believe, the fast preset on a CPU encode. Uh, and even when you... And so render something in fast CPU encode and then render something in very slow. 
and pixel peep it. Zoom in 5,000 times, look at individual, you know, 100 by 100 sections, look for noise, look for compression artifacts, look for that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. You're going to be hard pressed to sell me on CPU slow versus CPU fast. And I'm telling you, NVENC version two beats or at least meets CPU fast and does it in about, I don't know, 10% of the time. So, but that being said, Xeon Phi cards, no, <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, Is that a no? That's a no. Okay, uh, just making sure. Do not get a Xeon Phi card um, unless you are a programmer and you want to source code, rewrite uh, FFmpeg to do multi-instruction handling, like up to the 56 threads that uh, that the Xeon Phi card, or 68 threads or whatever the bloody heck those numbers are. Um, you'd be much better served, honestly, by getting like a Ryzen 3900X. Uh, much, much better served. Uh, even, even some of the, the more obscure multi-core CPUs for, for Xeon platforms. Uh, so the, uh, 2699v3 has actually just dropped below about $200 on most sites. So 18 cores, 36 threads. And if you can turbo unlock it, it'll do 3.6 gigahertz. That will... The socketable Xeon Phi. Socketable Xeon Phi is a little bit better, but they're still kind of purpose-driven. Um, and good luck finding the affordability trade-off between a first-gen 3647 board versus going a little bit further used and getting a high-end X99 chip, um, a 2699 V3, uh, you know, an early-gen Threadripper uh, kind of thing. Uh, on eBay today, there was a, uh, gosh, what board was that? I want to say it was an Asus board, uh, with an X399 and it was a 1920X. So 12 core, 24 thread and a thread ripper for 300 bucks flat shipped. Wow. That's pretty good. So, um, or dual 2699 V3. Yeah. <laughs> um, like this board I have right here behind me. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, uh, Xeon Phi comes up all the time for people who think multi-threaded is absolutely the way to go. The problem is you can throw a million atom cores at it. It's still a million atom cores and and they pale in comparison to x86 um, or to true x86, fully unlocked, fully featured, fully mm-hmm. instructionalized. So my recommendation is either very, very, very highly consider what quality level you are shooting for for FFmpeg. Um, and if uh, NVENC could do just as good of a job as you're expecting. Uh, and if so, look at a GTX 1650 Super or a 1660. They're fairly, when they're not at the current climate, I'm sorry. If you can, if you can find if one. If you can find one, they're fairly yeah. inexpensive um, and, uh, and whatnot. Or if... <laughs> or if you're set on doing CPU, look at some older, dedicated, fully featured core multi-thread platforms, uh, like a 2699 V3 on an X99 platform. You can even get dual socket boards for as little as like 150, 160 bucks. Um, you'll be way better served than a 3647 uh, socketable Xeon Phi. Yeah. 
getting a getting a video card nowadays is like hiring the A team. If you can if you can find them and if you can afford them. Yeah. You can you can have it. I don't want to say out loud how much I just spent on a video card because Oh, you you told me before my, we started. My wife I, has I, agents I, everywhere. Yeah. Um, but I needed a video card. I have a build coming up and I wasn't like, I know this sounds like 1% problems and I, I fully, I'm fully aware of that. Um, I have a build that's coming up that is legit the most expensive build I've ever put together. Uh, and it's also the first time since the, the i7-920, so first generation X58 days, that I have had the top flight hardware in a rig when it was the top flight hardware uh so i bought a 5950x and i bought a uh, uh a very nice x570 motherboard and i bought them based on color scheme as well as uh features that i'm looking for i have a very right. specific set of features that i'm looking for um i'm going to fully water cool this thing and it is going mm -hmm. to look just money when it is done I, i've got some cool plans uh but i wasn't going to reuse my rtx 2080 because that's not the top flight card right nope. now i wanted the top flight card in my top flight build and so it was 3090 or 6900 xt mm -hmm. uh 6900 xt goes blow for blow with the 3090 and happens to be a thousand dollars less right now because yep. the 3090s are selling for upwards of three thousand dollars um, I got a deal on, <laughs> uh, on a 6900 XT for only $1,770. Oh, oh my gosh. That hurts. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. So it was, uh, easily the most expensive piece of computer hardware I've ever purchased. I don't even think, I don't even think back in the day when like Titans first came out that they were that much. Mm -mm. Yeah. The only Titan that's ever been more than that, I believe is the Titan Volta, which is mm -hmm. also a card that I was looking for. Mm. Um, cause, uh, cause the Titan Volta would have been also kind of fun to build into there, but it also doesn't quite hold up to, uh, to the 6900 XT right. or 3090. And it, um, I know the 6900 XT doesn't have as good of ray tracing, although I don't do a lot of ray tracing. Uh, Not I, many games have it anyway. Right. So. But I've also got a 2070 over here on this gaming rig that if I need to play a ray trace game, I can play it over here. It's not a big yeah. deal. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, so I have a build coming up with either two or four terabytes of Gen 4 NVMe storage. I haven't decided which Oof. yet. Uh, huh. Yeah, 128 gigs of 3,600 megahertz memory. Mm. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tasty. Yeah. It's going to be good. 5950X, 6900 XT, fully water-cooled. Yeah. Now, you're, 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 I, think, see, I think you said you're going you're gonna to hardline the water-cooling, right? Yes. Yes. Don't give anything more away than that. Okay. I'm not going to say. I think I remember you mentioning that. Mm-hmm. Oh God, she's right behind me. Oh. <laughs> I think that's why your daughter came in earlier. Why yeah. sent her daddy to spy on you? Right, exactly. Little birds. What did daddy spend money on now? <laughs> right. 
most other wives go or <laughs> she's talking to most other wives and they're like yeah he went and spent money on this and, and my wife's going god i wish it was hookers and blow <laughs> <laughs> i could deal with that yeah i could deal with that <laughs> exactly <laughs> all right let's move on here um ah uh, this one this one's got the heartstrings tugging just a little bit. A little bit. A little yeah. bit. So back in the, can't even, can I call it the early days of the internet? Not really. Uh, you know, we're, cl I would say we're closer. We're getting close. We're, we're closer, closer to modern. Uh, from the found from the formation of this website to the formation of the internet is closer to the formation of this website to modern times. Yes. By, by a significant margin. Yes. So I think we can say one of the founding internet sites. How's that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, at least one of the founding internet companies. Right. The companies. I don't know. I don't know when this particular subsite. Two thousand five is when this okay. subsite started. Okay. Um. So it was announced. Uh. Today. Today it was announced that Yahoo Answers is, is no more. Mm. For realsies this time. Yeah. Uh they've they've threatened it a couple of times that they're going to be shutting down. And uh I believe they've actually shut down and then come back from the life once or come back to life once. And then yeah. now they're saying April twentieth will be the last time a question can be asked on the website. So where else are you gonna go for obscure questions like is an egg a fruit or a vegetable? <laughs> or of course the famous how is Babby formed? How was Babby formed? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How is Babby formed? How how get girl pregnant? <laughs> pregnant. There we go. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. yeah there are some really good ones. Yeah. What percentage of water is celery? Yeah. <laughs> water is exactly 0% celery. Um, uh, if Batman's parents are died, then how was he born? Was Abraham Lincoln really a vampire slayer? Oh yeah, that was that was uh that was a very This is need to know information. This is yeah. <laughs> I like what is a phobia of chainsaws called? Common sense. <laughs> uh do you think NASA invented thunderstorms to cover up the sound of space battles? Yeah, of course. Right. This is, that's this is a no-brainer answer. And and there's like seven that I've already skipped over because I can't say them on this channel. Yeah. <laughs> but believe me they're good they're good yes so it's it's been uh the good source of memes and jokes and just hilarious questions for years years people have made memes and animations around them and all kinds of stuff like that but it's going away yep yep going away is cocaine considered vegan i think yes actually if you know, it's pure. It, if it's pure. If it's pure. It might depend on who your dealer is. Uh, yeah. You know, I, I know they cut it with baby laxative. Who knows what's yeah. in that? Uh, babies, obviously. Well, obviously. <laughs> yeah, obviously. You know, if you eat babies, it gives you the runs. <laughs> You're supposed to put them in the blender first, John. Or Steve. <laughs> <laughs> A baby smoothie. Baby smoothie. Yeah. Don't give Johnny more beer ideas. Yep. <laughs> Uh, all of a sudden, I've got like a million dead baby jokes going through my head. Oh, God. <laughs> Remember those? Also in 2005? How, how, how did baby, Babby? How did Babby? How is dead Babby? Yep. Uh, big, big spoon. $2 donation. Game over. Indeed. 
Yeah, yeah too bad. Just ask Jeeves from now on. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think there's still there's still Cora, which is like really popular. Yeah, there's still think, Cora. I don't think. But I think I think they I think Cora. I mean, I don't go on there that much, but I think they monitor theirs. There's still Cleverbot. If if you want yeah. to go like live chat and ask the questions, but yeah, I'm yeah, not yeah, sure yeah. you'd get as good of answers as you're hoping. No, for. no, no. Just ask Jeeves. Yeah, I think Ask Jeeves is gone too, isn't it? Uh, it might still be around. It's ask.com now. Uh, yeah, yeah. It turned into ask.com. Yeah. That was a long time ago. Wow. Yeah, that was a long time ago. I was always an Alta Vista guy. I was too. I, I was, was Alta Vista Google all came the way. I was yep. Alta Vista. Yeah, yep. Alta Vista was great. That was my uh, my search engine of choice for for the early days when the before search engines came. When out. I was on Net Zero. Yes. Yeah. Oh God, I remember Net Zero. Free yep. internet. Free yep. internet. Yeah. Just got how I got by. <laughs> Got to deal with them ads, though. Yep. Just sign up for a new account every six days when you've blown through your data cap. Yep, that's right. <laughs> Just get another one. Who cares? It's free. Yep. All right. Uh, so this is a an upcoming rumor for not even the next generation of AMD processors, but the next mm -hmm. next generation of AMD processors. Yep. We're talking about the 7000 series. Uh, mm -hmm. It is rumored that every single Ryzen 7000 processor will get integrated graphics. That would be pretty cool. That would be pretty cool. Um, I've I've said this in like server buying guides and things like that. Mm -hmm. It's really hard to overstate how important integrated graphics can be when dealing with certain hardware failures or dealing mm -hmm. with certain diagnostics, um, even just as a an extra utility. Oh yeah, it's there. It's usable and mm -hmm. and whatnot. Like I have multiple servers that have no video output on board. And it right. is a freaking nightmare in some circumstances trying mm -hmm. to do things on those servers. Uh, you know, I, I run a good chunk of my my home lab headless. Now, mm -hmm. I also run a good chunk of them with like dedicated video cards in so I can see them on right. the KVM when I need to do things. Yes. But uh, yeah, like my cloud gaming rig, uh, going back and forth between VMware and Proxmox and XCPNG and, mm -hmm. and whatnot, uh, I am so thankful that Threadripper Box has dedicated video output because I'm taking up every single PCI Express slot mm -hmm. with other cards right. and I can't properly diagnose the system if I have one of those cards outputting video and I'm not, you know, allocating all the SRIOV space properly. Right. Or, there's a lot that goes into those kind of projects. And so I'm I'm glad to see AMD addressing this. I mean, it is just a rumor. It is just a rumor. It would it would be great if this was true, because yeah, you're right. There's there's tons of situations where an onboard graphics card would be extremely helpful mm -hmm. for the exact cases that you stated. You know, troubleshooting or all your hardware slots are gone and you're turning into a server or whatever. Yeah, it's it's perfect. Uh, Big Big Spoon, $5 donation. 293 pop people watching. It's actually 296 right now. Uh, and 60 likes. Go like this video, dang it. Yeah. What are you doing? It's, uh, you know. We peaked at me. 307. It's probably me. It's probably you. You don't like me. I, I can't like it myself. I'm not on the right page. Mm. And I'm not John. 
Oh wait, I think I think I think I might have it up. I can like it. Yeah, yeah. There we go. Now sixty six. Drop it likes. a like, dang it. I like like myself. Yeah. All right. Uh, in somewhat more current rumors about AMD is mm-hmm. Threadripper five thousand series may launch in August. Threadripper five thousand. Threadripper. Um. So this would be based on. Uh, presumably Milan, so the mm-hmm. uh, the AMD Epic third gen based system, uh, and we've already kind of gotten a glimpse of what to expect based on the Milan CPUs that we've seen come out. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Threadripper has always been uh, AMD doesn't need to make Threadripper, but they kind of want to make Threadripper. <laughs> I, I, it's one of their fun side projects. I, you know? I feel Threadripper is kind of a fun side project. It's, um, it's what they do on the weekend when they got nothing else to do. Right. The lawn's been mowed. Yeah, let's go. Let's go make Threadripper. Right. Uh, so Threadripper Next Gen is, will be codenamed uh, Chagall. Chagall. Chagall? Chagall. Is, it, is that a reference to like Lord of the Rings or what is that? I, I have no idea, it... but C-H-A-G-A-L-L. Chagall. Mark Chagall was a Russian art, French Russian artist. Yeah, no idea. Um, but yeah, that's that's really all we know. We don't have specs. We don't have much else. We can speculate on the the core counts because again, we know what Epic Milan dropped with as far as core counts goes. Right. Uh, we've got everything from 8 to 64 cores. We knew we were likely not going to see a core count increase because the chiplet design in this current generation seems to top out at 8 cores per chiplet. So 8 chiplets on a die kind of makes sense for 64 cores. Uh, yeah. Hey, we're up to 109 likes. The system works. There we go. If we beg for likes, we get them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Please like. Um, but yeah, so that's really all the information we have at this point. We're still assuming it's going to be on DDR4, although late 2021, we might start seeing some DDR5 compatibility. Mm, that's right. Uh, it's, it's very possible that we could see a new IO die with a new memory controller on it that could have DDR5. Do not quote me on that. That is pure speculation on my part. (laughs) Complete rumor at that point. Um, in fact, I would... If I were a betting man, I would bet money on another generation of DDR4 uh, for both Threadripper 5000 and Zen 6000. I don't think DDR5 is coming in any measurable capacity until probably late 2022. I think we talked about that last time I was on too. We were talking about the DDR5. How many was it the time before? But yeah, I think he even yeah. said that back then Yeah, that you predict commercially it'll be available 2022. Mm-hmm. Uh, shame if you can't afford Epic, just go 5950X. Um, I bought a 5950X. That's my next build is a 5950X based system. Uh, and it's replacing a Threadripper based system. Mainly because Threadripper changed sockets on me. Uh, mm. they, they didn't do the whole backwards compatibility thing to X399. Uh, they had to go to, gosh, what is the new, the TRX40 based chipset or TRX80 mm-hmm. if you want Threadripper Pro. Uh, which... They're great boards. I I can't knock right. them, but I also wasn't going to go out and drop another seven hundred dollars on a motherboard, yeah. Uh, to to literally make a a lateral single core improvement jump. 
I'd much rather spend $300 on an X570 board and buy a 5950X. So that's what I did. Yeah, makes sense. <laughs> Plus, I'm, gosh, my memory speed's going from like 2933 to 3600. I'm also going from 64 dual rank to 128 gig dual rank. Yeah. Uh, like, it's not an insignificant upgrade. It's, it's, a, it's a pretty yeah. big, beefy jump. Yep. Uh, let's see. Alan, $20 Canadian rupees. Uh, Ryzen 5, 3600, 32 gigs of RAM, DDR4, 3200, Corsair H100i, uh, Capel X Elite 240 with four LL120 fans. I like the light loop 120s. Uh, GTX 1660 Super playing City Skylines is 63C package temp too high when my apartment is 29C. Definitely not. Um, no, definitely no, not. Six, six, yes, that's, that's not too bad. Um, honestly, even in my 24, 25 C room, depending on the cooler, uh, it's not unusual <clears throat> to see the 3600 jump up into the, the low sixties. Um, uh, I believe the thermal headroom for that one is 85 C. So you're still more than 20 degrees shy of any kind of throttling or longevity worry. Uh, so that's what I would say. Uh, yeah, I think you're golden. Yeah. think you're golden. All right. And one more AMD news thing, and then I can pour my second beer because... Um, oh, yeah, I got to polish mine up. Well, mine's almost gone anyway, so... So, uh, one more AMD thing, and that is a Spectre-like vulnerability has been discovered in AMD Zen 3 processors. Mm -hmm. uh, so much like the speculative execution that bit Intel in the butt with Spectre, uh, Meltdown, and the 30 other <laughs> speculative execution exploits that came in the <laughs> time being, um, yep. this is called predictive storeward, uh, store, yeah, predictive store forwarding. Um, and it works a lot like speculative execution did on Intel side of things. That is, a command is sent to the CPU, the cores all start working on it at once, but if a core is waiting on a result from another core and the other core hasn't finished yet, it will make an educated guess on what that core should come up with, and it will start doing other calculations after that. If it's wrong, it'll stop and it'll redo that calculation. Uh, if it's correct, it saves a lot of time and they can just move on. Right. Um, that's, that is the, uh, explain like I'm five, how speculative execution <laughs> works. Um, but uh, anyway, uh, uh, PSF has been integrated into Zen 3 processors when they launched in November, 2020. And much like Intel speculative execution works a lot the same way. Now, uh, PSF has, AMD disclosed that PSF may be vulnerable to side channel attacks, much like what met, led to Spectre, Meltdown, Zombie Load, yep. etc. cetera, uh, for, for Intel. They have not to this point seen any real life in-world examples of this attack being used yet. Right. Uh, this is a disclosure being made before there is a fix and before they even know that it's actually a problem. Yeah. But according to AMD and the security researchers who were behind this, it's not overly difficult 
from a you're more than just a script kitty standpoint right. to make this work in practice. Um, so AMD is recommending to disable PF sense or PSF. I, I want to say PF sense right there. PSF. PSF. <laughs> uh PSF in in some scenarios um and uh in particular they're saying they want you to disable PSF if you are trying to sandbox a piece of software entirely from the rest of your environment um so if you do not want information leaking from one virtual machine to another or if you are running inside of some kind of a sandbox environment they recommend disabling PSF until they can come up with a fix so, um, AMD also says if uh, they can disable PSF entirely, Chipmaker has provided instructions on how it can disable uh, PSF in Zen 3 architecture. There will be a slight performance hit depending on what instructions you're running and depending on yep. what workflow you'd use, uh, but this shouldn't be a major issue for most people. Um, but it's... Uh, I'm not going to necessarily call this one a black eye because, well... Intel knew for a year before they let yeah. third parties disclose Spectre and they, Meltdown. They seem to be getting ahead of the situation. Here. Right. This is yeah. the proper way to do it. This is as soon as we know about it and as soon as we know exactly what the execution is, we're going to disclose what the vulnerability is, make recommendations for customers to make their own remediation based on the information that we have and that mm -hmm. we can give them. And then we will develop a fix, hopefully before this actually becomes a problem. I'm sure they wouldn't release this kind of information until they have either something in the works or something very close to being completed. Correct. Probably in QA or something like that right now. Right. So um, it's probably really close. Right. And a lot of times these uh, these exploit notifications are done on like a six-month rolling clock where the, the white hats will contact AMD and say, hey, we found this potential side channel vulnerability. Uh we're going to let you know everything that we know. Here's all of our research, but we are disclosing this vulnerability in six months' time. If you would like to disclose it before that and save some face, we'd recommend it. Yeah. And and so that's usually what happens in instances like this. So likely AMD was actually told sometime back in October or November, very shortly after Zen 3 launched, when security researchers first got their hands on these mm -hmm. CPUs. Um, and so we're coming up on that magic six month. They've been on the market, Mark. Yep. Yep. Uh, that's my... That's my assessment of that, is that they likely were told about this immediately after launch or even possibly slightly before it. But because they haven't seen this in the wild yet, they have not seen one one instance of this being exploited yet, they decided not to uh, divulge that information until now, which honestly is perfectly fine. Uh, you yeah. do not want to divulge the information too early and let people develop. <laughs> yeah, figure stuff out <laughs> and they get the systems. exploit and then you start seeing the exploit in the wild. Right. And then, yeah, you don't yeah. want that. Yeah, you want to cut the head off the snake before you know there's a snake there. Yeah. You gotta get the snake trap out because you know there's snakes out there. Mm-hmm. Ah. All right, Steve, what do you got for your second beer? My next beer is from a brewery I have not actually heard of. Uh, they're called um, Bearded Iris, and they're from Tennessee, Nashville, Tennessee, to be sure. We've been over this before, but tell tell the rest yes. of the people what, what we're... <laughs> right. Uh, so it's a it's a hazy IPA uh, called Homestyle, 
and it is a, a soft, juicy mosaic. A very, very minimalist can from a brewery called Bearded Iris. Um, so, but it gets pretty high ratings on uh, Untapped, so I'm gonna look forward to trying this one out. Nice. Being, yeah, mosaic is like one of my favorite hops, so should be good. Yep. Now. Um, unfortunately, the surprise was kind of ruined, but it was really funny leading up to me disclosing to Steve what my second beer was, um, yeah. because I, I told him, uh, I've only got two beers tonight, but one of them you're going to be mad at. And he goes, well, what do you have? Like some bourbon barrel aged foil wrapper, like barley wine thing. Like you have mother <laughs> of all storms, don't you? I said, no, but you're dang close. <laughs> Uh, what I do have is Ecliptic's Bourbon Barrel Aged Orange Giant. Uh, this is a bourbon barrel aged barley wine that clocks in at 15%. Oh, yeah. yeah that's going to be a slow sipper for you. 15.0. And this yeah. is not a 12 ounce bottle. This is a 16.9. It's a 500 mil. So towards the end, we should start getting some hiccups from Jeff. Yep. If you join the after party, he'll definitely be hiccuping. I'm well, sure. the hazy's already kind of built it up. I can feel it yeah, right yeah, yeah. here oh, right yeah. now. Oh yeah, it's coming. Yeah. It's it's coming. It's coming. It's coming. Yeah. Uh, so, of course, got my my proper glass here. Yeah. That mm -hmm. Rambo decided to rub up against before the show started, so oh, the side so of it's covered slightly, here. Yeah, it's like it's like cat. Thank you, Ram. Hurt anybody? Yeah. I appreciate that. I appreciate you, buddy. You magnificent bastard. Oh, this one's actually quite good. Not super, not, not like a giant hot bomb. Steve? Actually, pretty malt forward. Oh, yes, I know. Hey, I know. I looked it up, though. I did. <laughs> <laughs> I love barley wines, if, if uh, for oh, the people who are out there. Oh, my God. <laughs> Ooh. Yes. I'm sure it's delicious. Jeff will be under the table later. I might just go under the table now. Yeah. Get it over with. Oh, man. Now, there's several people saying they had they had my beer in Nashville. And it, yeah, it is good. I'm, I'm actually really enjoying it. It's, it's not super hoppy. It's kind of got good sweet malt to it. Love it. Boy, that is all of 15%. <laughs> I bet it's pretty boozy, eh? It's very boozy. Um, yeah. So usually when you get beers that are up this high in ABV, they go one of two directions, and there is no mm -hmm. middle ground. It's not like, right. it's kind of boozy. Yeah. There are beers that's like, you take a sip and you go, oh, that is dangerous. Ooh. It's smooth. Yeah. It drinks like at 7%. 14.3. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. Then you have this camp <laughs> where yeah, you take a sip of it and you go, boy, that burns. But it burns in a really good way. <laughs> That's like almost schnapps level. You got some beer schnapps right yeah. there. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Another four percent, and I'd be buying this in a different store. Oh yeah, that's right. Exactly. Mm. <laughs> so you're saying we're opening oh. big fun barley wines tonight? Oh, not me. Wow. Not me. I don't want to. I don't want to pass out. <laughs> Fifteen to the moon. Yeah. I know. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, five dollars. Big big spoon. Solve the hiccups live. Um, I do have a cure for my hiccups, but it's actually to lay flat on my back on the floor. Yeah, and that well, will get know, rid of my hiccups. Adjust the camera. It's all about perspective, man. Right, right. <laughs> Not sure that angle will really work here, but. Um, uh, yeah. <laughs> 
Wouldn't be the first time I've fallen asleep on the floor here. There's a there, yeah. <laughs> fallen asleep or passed out. Uh, uh it's debatable. Debatable. Yeah, uh, yeah. I have not fallen asleep on this floor in my office. Yeah. On this floor. On this floor. Um, in fact, the last time I passed out in what was my office was long before I did craft computing. It was about two or three years before, mm-hmm. um, where I had nothing to do. I had no kids. Actually, it was yep. years oh, before, yeah. actually. Um, I either had no kids or, or miss was, was less than one. Like it was, yeah. it was very early on. Uh, yeah. I'm sitting there and I'm like, I got all evening slash out like it's five o'clock i've already had dinner with my wife we're we're kind of yep. like done for the for the day and, and whatnot and i'm like i'm gonna go up to my room and like play games for a while it's like cool yeah. and she was working on some sewing stuff so it's like we just kind of went our separate ways and got the evening to yourself fired up some games and i'm playing god i want to say like far cry 4 or something okay yeah yeah okay. like like put it in you know time context i'm just mm-hmm. jamming it might have even been far cry 3 blood dragon so I'm I'm just jamming on that thing, and I've got some uh, Jameson Black Label sitting next to me, and I'm just kind of sipping, sipping on that. that. Thing down. I'm not oh, shooting yeah. it, but oh, yeah. I'm you know pouring yeah, myself some pretty going, good, yeah. you know, two three fingers at a time. And a couple hours later, though, it's gonna hit you. A couple hours later, uh, my wife comes in and hey Jeff, I'm going to bed. And I went okay, cool. Well, I'm not quite done here, so I'm just gonna keep on. You know, okay, keep on going. You're cool. Uh, <laughs> she found me at like midnight, laying on my back. <laughs> Uh, in the middle of, in the middle of the floor, which it was, it was a fairly large room. Yeah. Uh, and I had thrown up into a mesh <laughs> trash can. Kind of, kind of filtered out a little bit of the stuff, but not all of it. Got the chunks taken care of. Yeah. yeah the chunks not much else. Yeah, no, I'm sorry. <laughs> she opened the door and she goes, are you okay? And I went, yeah. Uh, and so she closed the door. <laughs> yeah. That's it. You're not dead, uh, right? Cool. Yeah. See you in the morning. Yeah. I'm sure she can smell that you were <laughs> not okay, but you were talking. Yeah. So then that's at least you're breathing. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I, I do not get like that, but once every five years. Yeah. I, it's, I can't even remember the last time yeah. that happened. Yep. Jeff plead the fifth. I plead the fifth. Well, it's too I'm just going to say it was before I had kids and there were other yeah. responsible adults in the house. Yeah. At least one. At least one. So, yeah, it wouldn't matter. Mm-hmm. It's, my, it's my turn to get blackout drunk. No, it's my turn to get blackout drunk. Uh, Pumpy sends over a thousand uh, cheers from Costa Rica. Uh, Pura Vida. Thank you. Cool. Thank you. Excellent. Uh, Costa Rican Cologne, I guess is what you call them. CRC. Oh, CRC. So... A thousand of your local currency. Thank you. I appreciate that. All right. Smart wife. Yes. No. My my wife is is wonderful. Uh, she accepts me for what I am. <laughs> and, uh, and allows me to do this. <laughs> this was... Uh, I shot my first video for craft computing uh, when little bit was five weeks old yeah and i had been working on putting together what i wanted for a youtube channel since march of that year uh so since march of 2017 i registered the name and then i started thinking about what style i wanted and what i wanted to do and what angle i wanted to take on things and whatnot mm-hmm. um and uh 
And July 10th, I published my first video. My daughter was born June 2nd. And so five weeks later, I'm like, I'm going to be like editing video in the basement, honey. Bye. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> she allowed me to do that. And now I do this. It's great. Hey, that works out great. Yep. It all worked out in the end. All right. I don't know if I'm going to sip this. This is too dang good now. Uh, yeah. Wow. This might be a, a very quick second half of this show. <laughs> we're going to have to, we're going to have to, you know, maybe cut it off once you start slurring, huh? Yeah. Mm. And did you, you can't, you couldn't get all 22 ounces in that, in that uh, glass, right? It's not 22. It's 16.9. Oh, it's 16.9. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And this glass was about 14. And so I, I had to drink it down a little bit. Uh, this now okay. has all of it in it. Okay. There so we go. I got, I got a free refill. One stop shop. Yeah. I'm, I'm doing the Coca-Cola sip stealing where I like, you know, go to Taco Bell and fill your drink and then take a couple sips and then <laughs> fill it back up again. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. Oh yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's see if we can move along here. Uh, Microsoft has announced that they are trying yet another cooling solution mm -hmm. for data centers. That's right. This one might be very familiar to you if you are a fan of Der Bauer, uh, as they are thinking outside the box with a fluorocarbon-based liquid that we know as Novak. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, so here in the GIF, you can see a boiling liquid underneath some servers and uh yeah uh microsoft claims it is quote the first cloud provider that is running two-phase immersion cooling in a production environment yep. they're actually running this in a data center right now it's it's a small data center but it's it is right. live it, right. it is live and it's running right now it's live and it's hosting critical services mm -hmm. so uh yeah uh Fluid reaches boiling point at 50 degrees Celsius or 120 degrees Fahrenheit and then mm -hmm. condenses by raining back in. Uh, so yeah. they put a top cover on it. Right. It boils off, condenses on the top and rains back rains in back where down. it yep. reboils. And... Yep. and it keeps keeps itself cold. No, no need for a pump. So there's no electricity for a pump. Uh, there's uh, no need for AC. So you don't have uh, right. you know power from air conditioning or anything like that. So... Kind of a, a, a self-sustaining little enclosed unit. And best of all, no power consumption for this. Yeah. Right. Well, I mean, except for the servers itself. But right. I mean, yeah, there's no pumps or fans or anything like that. There's no pumps. Like there's no fans. There's no HVAC. Yeah. There's no, there's none of that. This is just pour liquid into the servers, cap off your data center, mm -hmm. and let it recondense back into the data center or back yeah. into your server stack. Uh it's a it's a pretty cool concept. And, yeah, you know and, if this if this becomes popular, people won't be buying server racks anymore. More they'll be buying old bathtubs. Yeah, they'll be buying pools and bathtubs and <laughs> little. You go to Walmart, get the plastic inflatable bathtub, yeah. fill that up. I think my wife would there. frown if I turned this into a one bath, two half bath house. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, kids, you can't use the bathtub for a while. Right, I got my server rack in there. Right. <laughs> Close the door. It needs to condense. Yeah, that's right. You're letting the put, coolant out. You put a little umbrella over it so it condenses at the top, drips back down. Yeah. <laughs> maintenance, yeah really... for the, maintenance for that is going to suck. I will say it sucks a lot less than the data center they put at the bottom of the sea. Yeah, you just throw some chlorine tablets in there. It's fine. Right, right. Clear, clear it out. Clears it right out. 
Steve, would you like a quick chemistry lesson? <laughs> a quick chemistry lesson? Sure. For for chlorine and exposed stainless steel, iron, aluminum, yeah, copper. Yeah, I think it would not be good. No, no, I know. I was I was joking. I know. Obviously. <laughs> Just make sure. Yeah. That's that uh, Futurama video where Nibbler drinks all the pool water and burps it out, and they're like, "Ah, oh, yeah. chlorine gas!" and everyone falls asleep. Fall, yeah, you know, passes falls out. Asleep. Yeah, they and pass Bender out, yeah. and Bender goes, "Ha ha ha, chlorine!" Uh, oh, and right. <laughs> and then rust. Rust out. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yep. Uh, in other news, Nvidia has officially brought RTX Voice to well, not RTX cards. Yep. Just about everything else. So much for the RTX part. Yep. Um, now, some people are going to be on this about they're trying to use RTX to sell RTX cards, to which I will say, probably. Uh, there's a second part of me, though, that says the better an algorithm gets, the lower power you need to run it. And while the original algorithms that came out probably utilized the RT cores quite a bit because NVIDIA was looking for another yep. place to be able to utilize hardware that would otherwise sit dormant on your brand new graphics cards. And how can we help people along? Hey, everyone is Zoom meeting right now. Why don't if we, anyone who has a Zoom meeting, they can filter out all the background crap and just hear the voice. Would that yep. be you know good enough? Well, cool. Let's develop an algorithm for that. Send it out to RT cards. Make sure they're powerful enough to run it. Cool, they are. Um, and then it was revealed that you could run it on GTX, but at like 30% load instead of 2% load, which yes, because GTX doesn't have the RT core, so they have to brute force it, which they're still able to do, but not nearly as efficiently. Uh, fast forward to today, it's kind of the same story where they said, you know what, the overhead for running RTX voice on a non-RT card via non-RT cores is still worth the trade-off of being able to have a conversation over over broadcast internet yep. without the background noise. And and so I I actually kind of commend NVIDIA for making this available on non-RTX cards. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think a lot of people had figured out how to do it regardless of their official release, because I think there's people who figured out how to hack it and get it to work on, mm -hmm. on their non-RTX cards. But this is the official one. This is like NVIDIA going, yep, we endorse it. Go ahead. Yeah. Now, I think, I think didn't they move on to broadcast, though? Doesn't broadcast have the RTX voice technology in it now? Uh... I don't know if they're packaged together. Oh, broadcast. Yeah, broadcast yeah. is the packaged application that has okay. RTX voice, RTX background removal, and a couple other things. Okay, yeah. that's what I thought. Yeah. Oh yeah. But no, it's good. Although you know, most of the time, I don't think I have anybody complain about my microphone picking up background noises no uh and and depending on your mic setup you wouldn't but if you were on just a standard laptop microphone it's a problem oh yeah oh yeah it is it's a huge as, as someone who, as someone who had to have meetings with 40 people in them mm -hmm. uh via 38 laptops and then mm -hmm. my setup and then another guy who also happened to oh, have yeah. a decent webcam and a headset like yeah. that was a nightmare oh yeah I've I've had because I work with but a lot of people. But they also weren't the kind of people who would buy Nvidia graphics cards to be able to run Nvidia Voice. <laughs> yes, that's true too. Uh, uh, like a lot of times, I'll have meetings. I, I work with a lot of people in India, and um, because of the time change, 
it, it'll either be uh, I have the meetings late at night and it's mm -hmm. their early morning or I have it early in the morning. It's late in the evening. Right. Either way, they usually take their meetings from home and it being in uh, Bangalore. Uh, it's a really heavily populated area. Yeah. And so whenever they turn on the uh, microphone on the laptop, you could just hear the outside traffic. You can hear all kinds of things. And it's just like, uh, can you please mute that? <laughs> you know? Right. It's, uh, it's, it's a little annoying. Now, they're working on their laptops. So I don't think they're going to have RTX voice installed on that too. But something like that, some noise canceling would really, really, really help. Right. Yeah. So... I've used RTX voice on this channel from time to time. I don't use it every single show, but yep. I do share a wall with the laundry room. <laughs> yeah. And sometimes it's on. Yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah. So, but uh, it's been a great piece of software. I've, I've really enjoyed being able to use uh, RTX voice. Mm -hmm. yeah. And, and again, I commend NVIDIA for making it available for non-RT cards, even though there is a performance hit, even though it doesn't run as well as it would run with an RT card, they're still giving you the option. Yes. And anytime a company takes away a paywall, which by the way, the software is free. <laughs> yeah, it comes with a driver. Right. Anytime yeah. a company takes away a paywall and says, here's a piece of software that won't run quite as well as it will on our newest hardware, but it will still run and will still benefit you in every single way that it benefits the new people. That's commendable. So yeah. bravo NVIDIA. Thank you for making that good decision. And screw the haters that say, well, it's not using the RT cores anymore. We know. Yeah. That's why it... That's why it's able to run on the GTX cards, but it yeah. still runs better on the RT on the cards. On RT cards, yeah. You'll take a less performance hit. Right. So, yeah. yeah. Anyway, moving right along. Moving to the next one. Moving to the next one. What is the next one? This one. This one's, a, this one's a good there one. There we go. Oh, right. I like this one. Right. Yeah, we talked Why don't about you this. take this the reins on this one, Steve? Yes. So this this one, is more um, your realm. <laughs> so this is something uh, every year uh, a company called, uh, I think it's an acronym, Toby, T-I-O-B-E, uh, the Software Quality Company. They put out a list of the most used uh, development languages that are out there. And of course, the top ones are always the usual suspects. We got C, C++, C Sharp, uh, Python, all those type of things. .NET 4. Dot, well, .NET yeah. is, is a framework. Yeah, framework. But this year, something surprising showed up. And it is... Uh, uh, wait, wait. Rather, uh, re-showed up. Re-showed up. I should say re-showed <laughs> up. What we thought was extinct is <laughs> what is old is new again. Uh, we have Fortran which has come back as the top 20 most popular programming languages from last year. Yes. <laughs> Fortran made the top 20 list of programming languages used worldwide. For according, some reason. According to I, I, Tyobi. Yeah. Um, so to put this in perspective, Fortran was developed in the 1950s by IBM. Yeah. Yes. It is just this side of COBOL <laughs> from, yeah. from being... Uh, or rather, COBOL is just this side of Fortran yeah. from being like, who has even ever heard of this? I right. I know of Fortran. I know of COBOL. Fortran yeah. started with what what uh, is appropriately the tagged image of this, which is a reader card. Yeah. Um, oh, I remember that because because my dad 
he was a developer back in the day too, and he used punch cards. That's mm -hmm. where when he's a punch program, cards, yeah, yeah, he's a punch cards, yeah. So I remember growing up as a kid, you know, punch cards had become defunct at the time, but there was punch cards all of those boxes and boxes of punch cards at our house. Yeah, for because he kept them. He, I guess that's his backup. <laughs> you say you say that the raid isn't a backup. Well, for him, shoe boxes were a backup because he right. just kept all those right. cards in there. <laughs> but yeah, those we had tons of those punch cards. Well, a backup is just putting one punch card on top of the other, knocking out the holes that are already in it, and then putting it in a different shoe box. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, we got right. we got we duplicate right there. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's a backup. But yeah, no, it, it was very interesting. I think they did say that it was because of uh, what was it? Um, are they speculating because of like they want to do some number crunching? I, I couldn't remember what it was. Yeah, they said towards the bottom of the article, which it's not a very long article. No. Um, Fortran was the first, or sorry, uh, where's that note that I saw? Oh, uh, Fortran was the first commercial uh, programming language ever and is gaining popularity thanks to its math, thanks to the massive need for scientific number crunching. So I guess it does better scientific number crunching than say like C or C++, which I, I, I can't fathom that it would. I can't fathom that it would. I mean, maybe there's a better precision with Fortran. I don't know if there's data type variables that are higher than what, than what C and C++. It, managed, it's an 8-bit language. I think it might be higher than that. Well, it could be 8-bit language, but you can, you can slap bits together. Right. You can slap bits yeah. together, but... Can you tell me there's nothing more efficient than that? You know, it's not just an 8-bit because they did do – I know that they did at least a 16-bit version of Fortran. Okay. Okay. I know that they did a 16-bit version of Fortran. I just know it originated as an 8-bit language. Yes. No, it definitely yeah. did. But I know that they, they increased it. I don't know if they ever did a 32-bit version. Mm -hmm. But regardless – Number crunching. It, it seems. It seems that uh, uh, out of the Microsoft playbook, it. let's leave 16-bit Windows execution code inside of Windows 10. Right. Of course. Is it? Is there still 16-bit execution code in Windows 10? I've tried. I've tried to run some. Well, not in the, maybe uh, in the 30. If you maybe try to run bit Windows 10, if you try to run generic executables that are 16-bit, they will not run. You get an error that says will yeah. not run on an x64 system. If you run them on a 32-bit system, they will still run. Yes, they will still run. Yes. Um, because 16-bit yes. is still part of the compatibility engine inside yes. of inside of 32. However, fact, yeah. there are 16-bit executables and 16-bit uh, uh, databases that are still running within Windows 10. And they are part of the original like Windows 2.0 code. In the 64-bit version of Windows? In the 64-bit version. It's impossible. Maybe it's just sitting there. I don't know. It's it sitting there because of... some program references it and that's the way it is kind of thing. Like mm. uh, you could, as of Windows 7, you could still open Program Manager and it's still installed by default in Windows. Yeah. Like on the CD, you put a Windows 7 CD in, the mm -hmm. default shell now is Explorer, but you could replace the default shell with Program Manager. Progman, yeah. I still remember Progman. Right. That still existed in Windows 7 and executed on 64-bit machines with Windows 7. <laughs> so yes, there is still 16-bit code in use if it wasn't, if by it Windows wasn't, 10. If it wasn't for the short name limitation on Progman, I, I kind of like Progman. Mm-hmm. A little bit more. Mm -hmm. It says Fortran can be compiled in 64 bits. So there we go. Interesting. Yeah. I did not know that. Yeah, I know that either. I had a copy of Fortran. I think I still might have it in a box upstairs somewhere, but I never, 
Never developed in it, never installed it, never used it. Yep. Yeah, assembly well, is faster. Well, start brushing up. It's coming back, baby. Uh, apparently, though, because uh, the, the funniest somebody should mention assembly, because assembly is also, it also made the list, it is actually number eight yeah. uh, of the top. Yeah, uh, yeah. straight uh, up assembly programming yeah. is number eight, yeah. uh, as well as what were the the others that made the list? Oh, Visual uh, Basic and Classic, classic Visual classic Basic. Classic Visual Basic. And, and Delphi. Oh, which is which is right. which yeah that was an old one too so all these old languages are coming back i don't yeah. know if people are getting nostalgic for old crappy languages yeah. i don't know I mean, what's I funny know. is in 1988 if you knew cobol you yeah. could define what your paycheck would be mm. both because you're the programmer for the hr database and because you were valuable to the company and so they'd pay you whatever mm. you wanted right and then the dot-com bomb happened and and all the COBOL workers were out of work. But now all the companies that didn't upgrade from their old COBOL databases are hiring COBOL programmers for whatever amount they want to work for. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so I remember. You can remember, again write your own paycheck. I remember back in uh, 99 when they were trying to, uh, you know, stop any bug fixes from the Y2K bug. There's a big, big push for Fortran yeah. and COBOL programmers. Like a yep. ton. Yep, yep, yep. So Fortran does better matrix and vector type Yeah, see, I, I remember okay. looking for jobs in like 2004, 5, 6, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. looking for Fortran or COBOL programmers who would be willing to, or who were skilled in reverse engineering, because mm -hmm. people were looking to get off of COBOL and Fortran and move on to more modern languages. Yeah. And they but, had the code, but it was not documented or anything right, like that. No probably. documentation, no nothing. Right. It's like, yeah. we need the program to do this exact thing, but we have no but, idea how the original guy did it. And yeah. he died seven years ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Like there were those kind of advertisements up at that time. Uh, COVID-19 models uh, used Fortran. That was my guess as to why mm. Fortran was coming back. Um, I didn't want to outright say it, but uh, Steve and I talked about That's... it just before the show yeah. about uh, because of the, the computational, uh, because Fortran excels at computational type stuff, scientific number crunching, um, if possibly decoding the COVID-19 genome was part of Could be. that. Could be. Um, because remember the uh, the Folding at Home project donated much of its server time to COVID-19 decoding. Mm -hmm. um, is the base of that based in Fortran? Is, you know, are, are there aspects of Fortran that are being used in everyday life that we, we don't know about? Could be. I mean, I know there's a lot of old systems out there that, you know, the backend systems probably still use some Fortran. Mm -hmm. Very well be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This beer is not getting any worse. <laughs> Fortran sharp. Yeah. Fortran sharp. Yes. <laughs> yeah. How's yours holding up? Uh, pretty good. Okay. So this is this is a hazy, but it's not like a big hop bomb. Yeah. So you don't get that, you know, coating of all the hop oils or lupulins and stuff like that. So it's it's staying pretty good. Nice. Yeah. Good deal. Okay, uh, we do have a couple beer stories, and I kind of want to rapid fire these because we only have about yeah. 25 minutes left. Yeah. So let's get to it. First off, yep. Utah has announced they have a state beer. Ooh, state beer. How come Oregon doesn't have a state beer? Yep. We should. It should be Dead Guy. Yep. Or Deschutes. Uh, the uh, Black Butte Porter. Black Butte Porter. Yeah. There you go. 
You know, if I had to call a state beer, I don't know that I would go for the most recognized beer in Oregon. I think I would go for the beer that Oregon is probably most known for. And so I might go with like a Rogue Ten Hop. You think that's what it's most known for? Oregon is, the Northwest in general is known for IPAs. And yes, so the state beer can't be a porter. Like, let's let's be real that's for true. a second. That's true, that's true, yeah. Where where we have a lot of great dark beers. We, we've mm-hmm. got uh, Oakshire down in Eugene. We've got mm-hmm. the Shoots over in Bend. And, and we've got a, mm-hmm. a number of other. Oregon is known for hops. And yeah. hops and hops alone. Um, well, then how about Ninkasi's Triceratops? Triceratops would be a great one. That would be a good um, one, yeah. I'd say Down of the Red, but I think that's going a little too obscure. Yeah. Um, you could even go, uh, like, maybe... No, I don't know that as many people know. Like the Cryo Stash, Hop Stash, hop, Bubbly Hop, you know, the... Mm-hmm. Um, who makes is that, Valley. Ten, is that Hop, hop Valley. Valley? Thank you. Yeah, hop, yeah Valley. hop Valley makes a lot of those. But if I had to think of, like, one of the major... One of the biggest beer makers in Oregon, I would think of Rogue Deschutes, Widmer, Nankasi, and a yep. couple others. And so, yeah. like, let's pick one from one of them. And when I think of, like, one of the best trademark IPAs... Big Hot Bomb type of a I'm thing. I'm thinking Big Hot Bomb. Yeah. I'm, okay. thinking, I'm thinking Rogue Ten, ten Hop. Ten, ten Hop would, would be probably the... But I don't know if they distribute that one nationally. Right. But they yeah. have they do have Six Hop that they distribute nationally. They, they do, and they so have, maybe six, they do hop. Have six Hop. Yeah. Right. Yeah, maybe. So that's what I would go with. Yeah, because like the shoots has IPAs, but they're not as popular. They're not they have, nearly like, like, as popular. They're not nearly yeah. as good. Yeah. Um, but but you go to Rogue and and they've got an entire line of IPAs that yeah. dominate most beer banquets. Yeah. yeah. Fresh fresh squeeze, but the shoots is pretty good. Fresh squeeze is fresh pretty solid. Pretty good. Yeah, that's pretty solid. Like I said, Triceratops, Triceratops, Dawn of the Red. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gosh, what else is from Ninkasi? They've got a bunch of good IPAs down there. They do. Um, so yeah, those are recognizable, and I think those are in the conversation. But if you're talking, I want a hoppy IPA. I want a hoppy yeah. Oregon IPA. Yeah. I'm I'm going six hop. Six or ten hop, I think that'd be that'd be fair. Yeah. I mean, yeah. if I was to pick anyone, and this is right because Deschutes is nationally distributed. Right. I would say I would be more like uh, Boneyard's Hop Venom would be better because mm, i think it's mm-hmm. it's it's tastes better but i don't think it's it's not even distributed but boneyard is very regional yeah it's very yeah. very regional yep. so i i wouldn't pick that one yeah myself. so you, you got to go rogue to shoots or ninkasi or widmer for national yeah. distribution yeah. and and like i said of those i'm going rogue with their ipas yeah definitely okay <laughs> hops and booze sponsored by rogue he I wishes think rogue, i think rogue didn't rogue send no, I think Stone sent Rogue sent stuff. me stuff. Yeah, they sent I got stuff. stuff. Uh, yeah. But John John got the... He got stuff from Stone, though. Yeah. 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 I'm trying to branch out a little bit more with uh, with some of my, my beer collaborations. I'm, I'm trying to get people to start sending me beers just to review on the show. Yeah. Because uh, I think that could be fun. It would be. Yeah. You'd probably be more like with some local people doing it, though. Uh, Jim Nicholson says Sticky Hands. The problem is Block 15 is also very locally and regionally yeah. distributed. Yeah. Where Sticky Hands is a very big hot bomb. Sticky Hands, oh, so good. So, good. so good. If if any of you listening get a chance, get a, and, you're, and you are a hop fan. And by hop fan, I mean by saying hop fan, you don't question that fact. Yeah. 
You have okay. to love hops to love. You have to love hops. Hands. Block 15 sticky hands is mm, so good. Yeah. It's very good. And it's not a hazy either. No. no. It is a straight up dank yeah. IPA. Yeah, very dank. Yeah. Um but yeah, that's it's not a bad option, but but like I said, if I wanted to say like a a nationally distributed beer that Oregon could be known for, Oh yeah. Like if you, if you wanted to go in la- and like German beer, I think everyone here has had a, a Widmer half. Yeah. But I, okay. That is I the half that you get when you ordered at an airport is a Widmer half. Yes. The, uh, yes. But in my opinion, Widmer half is like the worst half of Weissen I've ever had. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not a great, it, they, they even label it American half of Weissen because it doesn't It's an American taste. half. But if I'm at an airport and I'm looking at the tap menu, and I yeah. see Bud, Bud Light, Coors. I'm going to get a half. I'm yeah. probably going to get a Widmer half. Yeah. But if you get an authentic German half of Weissen, oh, and you have a Widmer half of Weissen, yeah. and you're like, how can these be called the same type of beer? Because right. they taste nothing alike. Right. Yeah. It, it's a it's a German-style Americanized half of Weissen. It is. They, and that's why they call it American, American half of Weissen. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and, and again, not to fault them, not to fault Widmer at all, I think it's a fairly good beer. I do like a good Widmer half. I, I liked it for a long time, and then my tastes kind of progressed, and then I got a little jaded because they called it a Hefeweizen instead of just a straight-up weak beer. Uh, uh, hold on. Let's let's get into this. Uh, Tommy, <laughs> or uh, Zorro, excuse me, uh, says, forgive my ignorance, but what is an IPA? Oh. An IPA is an India Pale Ale. So yes. back in the olden days when we had to carry things by wagon or stagecoach or train... Um, we, the, the British troops who were stationed in India wanted UK based beer, wanted UK brewed beer. Um, the problem is by the time the caravans made it down to India, the beer had gone bad. Mm -hmm. And so what they did as a preservative was they put a a little, literal crap ton of hops into the brew. Uh, and so they could brew it and it could survive that trip two 2500 mile journey yep. Yep. uh and so before they had pale ales which was a slightly hoppy beer more of like a pilsner based what we know today mm-hmm. um transition into the india pale ale which was a very very super hopped beer yeah. for the sake of preservation mm-hmm. and that style kind of stuck and now we have the ipa yeah, basically the distinction between, in modern brewing practices anyway, between a pale ale and an India pale ale is a pale ale, you'll put hops during the boil when you're boiling your mash, mm-hmm. uh, and then that's it. But for the IPA is you'll put hops in during the boil, but then afterwards when it's fermenting, uh, you'll or, or during your secondary fermentation, mm-hmm. you'll throw more hops in there. You'll, you'll so back dry, hop it. Yeah, you'll dry hop it basically yeah. is what they call it. Yep. So you'll dump more hops in there. So even after the brew is done fermenting, it's going to be steeped in all these hops and all these lupulins and oils will seep yep. into the beer and you'll get just a much bigger hoppy flavor. <laughs> so that's an IPA. Yeah. Actually, there's a very similar story with Russian Imperial Stouts. Yes. Because uh, the, the the czar from Russia went and visited uh uh, the, the British and mm-hmm. he loved the stouts over there 
And so when he went back, he says, I want you to ship it to me. But by the same thing, but by the time time they got there, they they got there. Stouts didn't taste as good. So they're like, well, let's just. By the way, the refrigeration alcohol. trucks were not a yeah, thing. They didn't have. So it's like, we'll crank up the alcohol volume. We'll make it an Imperial. We'll double it out. Right. And then we'll ship it over there. We'll, because we'll it's make it 11% alcohol. because the yeah. alcohol will kill everything. And so exactly. it'll survive the journey. It'll survive the journey. And so they got it there and it was like, it tasted like a stout, but it was like tons of tons of alcohol. Right. So, so by the way, back in the day, beers were somewhere between like three and 5%. They were yeah. not strong. They're not like what we have yet. Uh, they're, they're not like what we have today. Like, like we laugh at, at domestics for being four and a half. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and back in the day, that was a strong beer. Yeah. Uh, now we think of a strong beer as like anything over nine. Yeah. And, uh, here I am drinking a 15. Yeah. I think, I think, uh. Wine called, wasn't this, be, this high a proof back in the day. I think to be called a double or an imperial, I think it has to be over 7.8 or something like that. Yeah. Essentially like 8%. That. But yeah, 7.8, yeah. I think, is the exact metric. Yeah. Anyway, we didn't even get back to that. We went yes, off track. We, we, we were way off track. We, okay. we were going quickly. Um, yes. Yeah, so, I thought we were going quickly. Uh, yeah, Utah has an official state beer, and Budweiser is making fun of the swears you can actually say in Utah. Uh, yell it from the flippin' mountaintops. Budweiser is now the official beer of Utah, and they have a special edition bottle design that will only be sold in Utah, likely because it's 3.5% instead of 4.5%. Mm-hmm. I'm kidding. <laughs> but only kind of. Yeah. I don't. I think... I think... I think Utah might have done away with some of those liquor laws that they have with beer being only a certain percent. I'm not 100% no, sure on that. No, they have Are they still that way? Are they They're still, still way? very much that way. All right, whatever. Yeah. Um, <laughs> hold on. So, of course, the the lamest uh, beer laws in the lamest state has the lamest beer. Right, exactly. Um, yeah, no, uh, if you want a cocktail in Utah, it can only have one ounce of a poured spirit. That's it, huh? That's it. If you want an old-fashioned, those are the people who started putting 7-Up into an old-fashioned. Ugh. Like, those people. Like, you can blame Utah for that crap. Ugh. God. Because it would be one ounce of, of bourbon, ugh, first yeah. off, uh, in an old-fashioned. Like, that's, give that's me a rye old-fashioned. Utah I mean, goes, talk- oh, what? Yeah. You want to talk about blasphemy. Yeah. Uh... So yeah, they're the reason. It's either one or one and a quarter. Like it's an absurdly low amount when most yeah. cocktails require two to two and a half of poured spirits. Mm-hmm. Um, so they yeah. probably still charge you like six, seven bucks a cocktail. Too. Yeah. Yes, yes, they do. Yeah. <laughs> because yeah. the taxes in Utah are so dang high. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, so advertisements placed uh, throughout Salt Lake City, adorned with the classic Utah phrases such as "Holy shiz." Oh my heck and frick yeah. Yeah. All of which I can say on this channel and not be well, demonetized. YouTube friendly, at least. YouTube friendly. Sure. Budweiser swear jars will also be available at certain stores where beer is sold. <laughs> <laughs> Probably only in Utah, though. Yeah. yeah. 3.2%. Frick yeah. Yeah. Right. Whoa there, Utah. All right. Calm down. Whoa there. Calm down. Calm down. Calm down. Slow down there, Utah. All right. So Utah, I think you've had enough. <laughs> it doesn't take much for Utah to have enough. It doesn't. All right. 
Moving along, since we've got to move this along. Moving along. Uh, Cryostash, Hop Valley, uh, is giving away free beer for you being bitter. Yes, that's right. So basically what the thing is, is uh, we just talked about Hop Valley, actually. Yeah. Right? Um, they are a uh, Oregon brewery, but they are um, nationally distributed now. Mm -hmm. And so if you go to the um, website, I think it's uh, Hop Valley... They have an IBUO meter, and what you do is you link it to your Twitter account, and it analyzes how bitter you are based on your posts. And um, if you are bitter enough, they will give you a uh, basically a, a, a way to redeem uh, for a free 12-pack of uh, the Hop Valley Brewing um, Variety Pack, which I've had before, and it they actually have some really good uh, IPAs in there. So basically what you do is you go out and you buy your yeah, pack. Yeah, no, their, their IPA pack is something else. Yeah, it's, it's not bad. It's really, really good. So, uh, yeah, you go buy it. They give you a voucher. Um, and uh, so you buy the pack and then you turn it in as like a rebate type of a thing. That's basically what happens. And I think I did it today and it said I was like four bitters. Like it was really low. Yeah. And uh, it still gave me a coupon. So I think it'll just give everybody a coupon regardless. Hopefully. <laughs> so, so it doesn't really matter. One thing, that matter you, how one thing that you will definitely need a coupon if you want to buy is a mm -hmm. 1986 retail copy of Super Mario Brothers. That's absolutely correct. How's that for a transition? There you uh, go. Good one. So a sealed copy of Super Mario Brothers was just sold at auction for, and I quote, 660000 dollars that's huge now mario brothers at one point in time was the best-selling video game of all time so you would think it wouldn't be that rare right you would think it wouldn't be that rare there were 40 million excuse me 40 million there's the hiccups there's the hiccups yep 40 million copies of super mario brothers sold however keep in mind the majority of the copies of super mario brothers sold were a package deal with Duck Hunt on the same cartridge that came included with your purchase of an NES. Right. Super Mario Brothers the game was Just also by available by itself at retail. Mm -hmm. And the people who bought that cartridge, because, well, every NES, I think, ever came with a copy of Super Mario Brothers, mm -hmm. was very, very low. So... When this particular cartridge came up at auction, which, by the way, this is one of the earliest retail samples available. Um, of the 11 different variants of Super Mario Brothers uh, box art, I believe this was the second one ever issued. And this was uh, circa 1986, which, if my memory serves, the Nintendo came out in the U.S. in... October of 85. Mm -hmm. So the Nintendo was not that old. And this game was still essentially brand new. Right. So this guy who wants to remain anonymous, and I do not blame <laughs> him whatsoever, yeah. uh, said, I bought the game at some store, I'm assuming Toys R Us or something like oh, that. Yeah. Uh, and uh, put it in a desk drawer and just kind of forgot, forgot about, about it. it. Like, 
whether he already owned Super Mario and didn't know that or bought it as a gift and forgot about it. But years later, he discovered that he had an unopened copy of Super Mario Brothers. And he goes, oh, that's really cool. And left it unopened for years and years and years. Uh, it was a Christmas gift and sat, uh, sorry, it was a Christmas gift and sat unopened in a dress in a desk drawer for the better part of four decades. I never thought anything about it. End quote. The seller who asked to remain anonymous mm. told the auction house. The reason this particular game sold for so much is the number of retail copies in box that sold at retail are significantly lower than yep. the overall copies of Mario Brothers that sold because they all sold as part of a package. And and it's unopened, which it makes it even it's more unopened. Rare. It is yeah. still so in shrink wrap from 1986. Yeah. I'm not saying I'd pay $660,000, no. but no, at the same not. time, from a collector's standpoint and validated standpoint, yeah. I kind of understand. Uh, it's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. You could pay for everything in this house plus the house itself and still not come up with $660,000. Yes. You could even throw my vehicles into there. You're not scratching it. Uh, but from a historical standpoint, uh, from, a, from a retail sample that was rated at a 9.6 mm -hmm. uh, by an independent third-party analysis... Uh, this is literally the most pristine version of Mario Brothers you'll ever see. And an early version of Mario Brothers at that. Yeah. I still wouldn't buy it. Nope. <laughs> but I understand. Is what I, I'm I guess, say. I mean, obviously it meant something to somebody. It meant something to someone. Uh, and uh, I, it looks like from the picture that it's in a sealed container. So it's going to stay in pristine condition. Yep. So maybe it'll get uh, put in a museum or something. I have no idea. Probably in someone's personal collection. I'm blaming Probably. Ryan Reynolds for this crap. <laughs> Probably. Yeah. Ryan, I want to know. Ryan Reynolds of Aviation Gin fame. Yeah. Did you buy this copy of Super Mario Brothers? If so, I want to open it with you. Now, does this, does this break the most expensive... Uh, Video um, game purchase of all time? Yeah. Yeah, because I, don't I remember, remember before it was the there was the NES tournament cartridge. Yeah, the NES tournament cartridges have sold for well into the six figures before. Yes. I don't think they eclipsed the six hundred thousand dollar mark. I think the most expensive one may have sold for three fifty or three seventy five. So yeah. we're talking about the NES tournament cartridges, which were very very rare. Now, the NES tournament ones were only going for 20000 20000 Really? Yeah. I and would so, not have... I bet if you put it on market today, it'd be 300 plus. It could be. This article's a little bit old. Yeah. I, I bet they um, would go for 300 plus today. Yeah. This one... This this article is from... It's on Insider. It's from 2014. So, it's probably uh, a little old. Uh, real quick. Nintrance says, uh, Raid 6 versus Raid 10. Raid 6. Why? Because Raid 10, you're creating two different Raid 0 arrays and then mirroring them together, or you're creating two different Raid 1 arrays and striping them. Versus a Raid 6, any two drives can fail. You're not creating two arrays and then combining them into one. You're creating one array where the parity disk can float among all of the disks. So, Raid 6. If you have the option for Raid 6 over Raid 10... Raid 6. 
I don't care how many drives you have. Raid six. <laughs> Raid six. <laughs> yeah, so I think I think as far as price goes, this might be the highest. Uh the Nintendo PlayStation was the previous record. Uh uh Magic uh Magic uh says in comments. Uh yeah, and I thought that, that was that close. was that was but that was a console though. It was a that console. was a, that was a whole console, not a game itself. This is a single game. That was also $360,000. Yes. So And this apparently is, this is... that was the record for a video game style or video game category. Kind of vintage, yeah, and a kind right. of vintage type of video um, game thing. Which Honestly, I'm surprised that wasn't inverted because you would think the video game with over 40 million copies, even though this is one of the most rare of the copies of Mm -hmm. that 40 million game, you'd think one of one collaboration between Nintendo and Sony hardware would rank first. Yes, because it's a proprietary thing and there's only one. There's probably only one, maybe two tops in the world. Right. More rare than this Mario Brothers cartridge. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I don't know. Uh, uh, I, it it could be that you know all the Mario Brothers, you know, game cartridge boxes out there s- smashed and gone to bits, and like, hey, they might they might the cartridge still might exist, but the box is long gone. Shrink wraps definitely in some landfill somewhere. So in its condition, it may be a one of a kind. Yeah, but that Nintendo PlayStation prototype is definitely a one of a kind and you would think would be worth more you would think would be would fetch more than just over a third of a million right like like i expected that thing to go for five or six when it sold a a, a year and a half ago Mm -hmm. Mm um yeah let alone be beaten by almost double by a copy of one of the most prevalent games in history yes kind of weird but maybe because it was prevalent and its condition is rare that that combination just kind of spiked it up no. We got a $5 super chat from Robert. Thank you so much, Robert. I do appreciate mm-hmm. it. Uh, neat. A live stream. Been getting recommended your content recently. Probably going full home lab instead of Hyper-V once fiber becomes available to me. That is awesome. And you are yeah, definitely good. among friends here. Uh, yeah, I do a lot of home lab content, a lot of prox mocks, a lot of virtualization, a lot of file server mm-hmm. stuff. Um, and I touch on the consumer end of hardware as well because, well, that tickles my fancy too. Uh, if you're interested in getting a little bit more up close and personal, think about joining the Patreon or Float Plane. Yes, I turned this into an ad. Thank you very much. That was a great, <laughs> uh, great, great uh, segue. Great yeah. uh, minimum donation of $1 per month gets you access to the exclusive Discord server where you can chat with myself, mm-hmm. John, Rhett, Steve, all of the hosts from Talking Heads, and take part in the ever-growing community over there. And it is one heck of a good time, let me tell you. I do enjoy it. Yes. I, right. I like to pimp my Discord server mainly because it's unlike any Discord server I've ever been, ever been a part of before. Most most Discord servers that go on is, uh, you know, pump and dump. You get on there, yeah. you like say, hey, 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 uh, hey, and then you're like, okay, whatever. But no, this one, it, people actually stick around. People actually start and chatting it's with you. People like, consistently and constantly active. Consistently, yes, exactly. There isn't a time I don't log on and there's new messages coming up. 24 hours messages. a day, there's some yep. conversation going on somewhere. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, and it's not just for PCs or home lab. We have chats for cars. We have chats for beer and food. We have chats for just crap posting. 
otherwise known as another four-letter term. Uh, we have <laughs> chats for buy and sell pages, either mm-hmm. retail deals or things you want to sell yourself to mm-hmm. the greater community. Um, what else do we have in there? We have, uh, we have networking gaming, help. We have entertainment. Gaming. We have yeah. we have networking. We have TV. We have music. Uh-huh. Um, really anything that anyone who's ever watched a video of mine could ever be interested in, it's on that mm-hmm. channel. It's there, yeah. Mm. Definitely a fun time will be had. Yep. Just don't miss just don't miss a day. Sometimes it's several hundred messages. Oh yeah. Uh, oh yeah. It's several hundred messages every day. Yeah. That's that's the thing that kind of like I feel like we I get people a lot. calling out reposts. Yes, I know. <laughs> I get I get because like I'll I'll be busy because I'm working and then afterwards I have to be with my kid and then I'm like okay I'll get on Discord and catch right. up with my messages. I'm just like okay I can't. It's like I'm gonna be reading this all night long if I just so, don't. So there was a point in time a couple of years ago yeah. where I would read every single message that was ever sent to the Discord. <laughs> and it's come to the point where if it happens when I'm asleep, it doesn't exist. Yeah, I know. I I <laughs> I will skim through it and you know look for maybe important things or something like that. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, uh it, it's hard to catch up. But if you at one of us, you will get a personal response. You will get yes, you will get a response if you at one of us. Yes, we are very good about that. But it's not just myself who can answer questions over there. So, think about joining. Minimum donation of a dollar a month if you go the uh, Patreon route. Minimum donation of two dollars a month if you go float plane because there are some extra costs incurred with mm-hmm. that. Uh, but there's also some extra benefits of getting onto float plane where there are no built-in ads in my videos mm-hmm. and completely ad free. If you watch the videos over on float plane. So, uh, plus there's also some exclusive content. You can sign up for premium content and, uh, see, I think the next video is going to be, what would my 12 bottle bar be? So how do I, if I were building a bar brand new, what 12 bottles would I go out and buy? and make my bar with. That's the next video. Uh, also, what equipment would I buy? What shaker, what what strainer, what glassware, what what jiggers, etc. If you've ever wanted to know how I set up my bar and what I would buy myself, mm-hmm. that video is coming very shortly. All right. Moving okay, right we got we got to we got to move along. We got to move along. Rapid fire. Here we go. E3 has been announced as a digital only event and they have some presenters already lined up, including Nintendo, Xbox, Capcom, Konami, Ubisoft, Take-Two, Warner Brothers, and Coach Media. Yes. Koch Media. Koch Media. So uh, last year, if you recall, uh, there was basically no E3 and the big, uh, you know, uh, game game, uh, producers involved just did their own press conferences. So Sony did their own, um, Nintendo did their own, Microsoft did their own, etc. So this is still going to be virtual, but it's going to be open to everybody. And how it's going to look, uh, the details haven't really been fleshed out yet. But it looks like there is going to be one unified virtual event, uh, particularly for E3. And so we can expect to see all the press conferences, the big press conferences and announcements mm-hmm. for those particular companies to be happening at once, or at least with over the next couple of days. So that'll be that'll be a good show uh, when that comes. Yes. Hopefully, hopefully I'll be a host. There are some notable about. exceptions here that have not yes. been announced or have not signed up or don't plan to attend. And mm-hmm. those are 
Activision, E3, Epic Games, Sony, like love them or hate them. They're right. still major players in the industry. They are. And yeah. being absent from this event is a little, little disappointing, I will yeah. say. And Valve being absent, but Valve hasn't been in anything for Valve doesn't time. do anything unless they're announcing a new card game lately. Yes. So. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. So, yeah. No, I've always been a big fan of E3. I've always enjoyed uh, watching the content. So, mm-hmm. hopefully it'll be some something worthwhile this year. All right. So, uh, rapid fire. Moving on to the next one. Yes. Um, so, joining the annals. <laughs> this of... one's in here just because Steve wanted it. In here. <laughs> I, I, I love it. I love this thing because I am such a fan of, of, of Russian cinema. Schlock, no, just schlock cinema in general. <laughs> so, so joining the annals of of great cinema classics like Turkish Star Wars, and uh, uh, Bali Superman and Italian Spider Man, comes. Uh, Russian Lord of the Rings. 30-year-old Soviet-era Lord of the Rings cinema has yes. now appeared on YouTube. Yes. And, and it's and you can glorious. Watch. Oh, my gosh. It is absolutely great. <laughs> Some of the... Uh, and this this was, you know, Soviet-era TV yes. with uh, Lord of the Rings uh, storyline adaptation. Now, if you don't speak Russian, you can always turn the closed caption on and do the translated closed caption and try to slog through it i i watched about i don't know a half hour of it and it was it was uh it was pretty bad but like gloriously bad right uh <laughs> i mean, I mean it, it wasn't it wasn't the worst thing i've ever seen but at the same yeah. time it wasn't far off from uh we must go into the mountains to the mines of Mordor. We'll use yeah. the snow to chill our vodka. Yeah. yeah, it wasn't it wasn't that. They they did seem to stay true to the the story of uh, Lord of the Rings. Yeah. This isn't this isn't the Hobbit. This is the, you know the Lord of the Rings uh, uh, trilogy. Oh, so it's only and, three movies instead of what should be one movie. Well, it's okay. It's the three. It's the three book. I think it's the three books. Yeah. I didn't watch. I only watched the beginning of it. Yeah, but, it's the three but, books into one. Right. But. Uh, uh, which wasn't in the movie. They do have Tom Bombadil in in this one, which the the mm-hmm. Peter Jackson mm-hmm. ones did not have. So that's a bonus, right? Yeah. So if you're a big fan of Tom Bombadil, <laughs> one babushka to roll them all. <laughs> yeah, one babushka. <laughs> <laughs> we were making so many jokes before the show. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's great. <laughs> Was it the room bad or worse? Um. I don't know. It's on its own level because I mean you can't really compare the room to you know Soviet era movie cinema. It's 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 pretty bad. Uh, But Soviet Russia ring tosses you into fire. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) I mean Tommy Wiseau is 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 an unspoken genius, so you really can't. Yeah. You really really can't compare the two. Right. Uh, All right. So let's keep going. I guess. Yes. Uh, so if, some... if you're interested, link down in the description. You can go check out that abomination slash glory of it cinema is, gone it, by. It is, it is It is. a two-part YouTube, uh, one hour each about. So it's about a two-hour two hour, uh, trek through uh, Soviet-Russian uh, okay. cinema. Oh, oh, shoot. I didn't put on red alert. Oh, no. Oh, there it goes. I forgot there to fix go. that one. Uh, for those who don't like Star Trek, mm-hmm. number one, unsubscribe. Screw you all. Yeah. <laughs> number two... We're Star Trek for the next 10 minutes. Yes. Be thankful it's only that. 
Yeah. Uh, so first off, yesterday was First Contact Day. April 6th was the day that we supposedly, in the year 2063, made first contact with the Vulcans by flying a ship at faster than light speed. They landed somewhere in, what was it, Montana? And, uh, yeah, yeah, something like that, yeah. And, and made first contact with Earth. Uh, wanted to meet Zephram Cochran. Zephram Cochran. Uh, the fabled scientist with with the big brains and definitely no alcoholism. Uh, a man <laughs> after our own hearts. Yes, 100%. Right. Uh, anyway, April 6th is First Contact Day. Uh, there was a There's always a bunch of hullabaloo around Star Trek at that time, and that's usually when Trek makes their major announcements for the year, mm-hmm. and yesterday was no different. Uh, where should we start? Uh, let's do the big one. Do you want to do the everybody's? Ex- I think the one that I'm most excited for. Picard. Um, y- yes. Okay. So we'll, uh, we'll start I, with I, that, and we'll end with the cartoon. How was that? Okay. I had I had personally had a little mixed feelings about Picard. I liked it at first, and when it gets towards the end, my mm, a little lower. Yeah. Still, I love Star Trek. I'm gonna watch season two, and I'm more excited about it now because Q is coming back now. What did I say about Star Trek Picard? The only thing that could have made Star Trek Picard better was number one, getting rid of the sob story that was Raji and and her mm-hmm. and her yeah. kid. Yeah. And number two, at the end or beginning of it, having Q just in a voiceover go, "Oh, Picard, the trial never ends," yeah. or or something like that. Something like that. Some kind like, of or the trial is just beginning. Y- yeah. You know. Uh, Q is one of the most loved villains on Star Trek because yes. he is so absurd and and just such a pain in the ass to Picard. Mm-hmm. Um, and all I all I said was, if you're gonna do a sequel to the Next Generation, which let's be fair, Picard was a sequel to the Next Generation, and that's yes. about it. Um, love it or hate it, it was a pretty decent story. It, it was okay. It um, probably could have been told in six episodes instead of ten. Yeah. And I've said a that a couple of, of times. There was a lot of subplots that went nowhere. Right. Um, and, uh, yeah, like I said, it started out strong with a good mystery that kind of kept you tuned in. Mm-hmm. It quickly spiraled into something I didn't really care so much about. And towards right. the end, I was like, oh, okay. Right. Uh, all right, whatever. Yeah. Um, but there, there, there were like four subplots and only two of them needed resolution for me to enjoy. Right, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um. Yeah. But all I wanted was some overbearing, like, cue, like, I'm still mm-hmm. watching you, Jean-Luc. Yeah. Yeah. It's all I wanted out of it. Yeah. And in the trailer for season two, we get, you're, you're sweeping through Picard's uh, chateau. Uh, and, and you're looking on to a bunch of, of things that he has laying around. One of the things that he has laying around is a deck of cards and face up is the queen of hearts. Uh, which, by the way, that's the Queen of Hearts is the five of a kind that Data laid down in the original uh, intro to Picard. Um, like, this isn't right. You know, I shouldn't be here. Yeah. Kind of thing where he's having a conversation with Data and and mm-hmm. it, it turns out it was like a nightmare. Uh, the Queen of Hearts was what Data laid five down of. And so they came back to the Queen of Hearts and the card fades away and it fades away to Q. And you hear John Delancey over the top go Jean-Luc the trial never ends <laughs> ah goosebumps <laughs> yeah 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 so this this not only does it does it mean that he was coming back 
but it also hints that he's going to be part of the overarching story of the series. Correct. Not just like with Riker where he was like in two episodes. Right. That was it. Um, so it's, he's going to play. Which I've said, one of the episodes I could have done without was Nepenthe. Yeah. It's like, it was, it was. It was episode was three, episode six, episode seven. I could have done completely without those. Didn't I would have been be totally there. fine. I mean, I understand the need for, for series to have fillers. Yes. And and if they actually went and did some kind of throwback to the next generation where those filler episodes had a mini have... mission within them, like yeah, yeah, the, the one where they went down to uh, essentially Las Vegas yes. uh, and and did the, the personification, that was a funny episode. That was it a was, good it episode. It was silly and it was funny. If, if they kept it isolated and not make it related to the overarching story, right. I would if it was just it a, a side more. quest they had to go yeah. on kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. I totally buy in, yeah. but but the major plot quest of going to wherever the Vulcan yeah. or wherever the Romulans were stationed to find right. Elrond, like yeah. that was just an errand you didn't need to make. Right, and I think Star Trek: The Next Generation, and 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 even to a lesser part, you know, uh, uh, Deep Space Nine, because Deep Space Nine had an overarching story. Yes, but it also had the individual episodes. Right, mattered in between. You you had Miles O'Brien as the as the PTSD war war soldier. Yeah. Uh, you also had Miles O'Brien as the all of a sudden I'm a god of this culture I just met. <laughs> One yeah. of those stories does uh, the I, overall arc pretty well. The other does not. I think I think it needs to get back to something like that because I don't mind a nice overarching story, but. Uh, I maybe would like because, like you said, there's a lot of subplots that they tried to put and shove in there yeah. that didn't really fit. I yeah. would much rather like it so that they had like a couple episodes that 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 completed the overarching story, right? But smattered in between were the classic Star Trek: The Next Generation. Like, where like I I understand what they were trying to do with Raffi and the character building yeah. and and the son that she let get away because yeah, she was always it, focused it, on her career and things like it that. Never it never went anywhere. But at the same time, I didn't feel anything for it because it was all of five minutes of a sob story, which yeah. you could have done with her, you know. Uh, reminiscing with Seven about, you know, yeah, I have a son. I don't see him right. anymore because I was a terrible mother and this and that. Yeah. Like, you could have told that entire episode in you, five you, minutes. You, you could, well, you even could have had just one episode focused on her as a character and had her character become more endearing to the right. rest of the series because you got to know her better. It could have involved her son and it could have come to some sort of resolution. Right. And then you could have dropped the storyline at that point because then it you resolved it in that episode. Mm-hmm. But right. no, they just, they put it in the middle of an episode and just let it hang. And then just let it hang there. And it's like, okay, it I guess that's some character development for Raffi, but not a lot. Not, not a lot. No, right. not at all. Not enough to make or break yeah. her character. I was yeah. already on board. You didn't need this at all. Yeah. Um. So yeah, there was that. Uh, there was discovery season four obviously was announced. Right. Um, I it's, wish it's, they would just fit Discovery into the timeline and freaking leave it. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's all it's, of a sudden we're thirty second century. Like we're <laughs> well beyond what Voyager encountered with the twenty yeah. ninth century dude with the time traveling shovel. I'm I'm not happy with Discovery at all. I'll still watch it. Right. Uh. Uh. But it's it's like it's the real try hard Star Trek. It it tries too hard. It tries too hard. If if I, it tries so hard it becomes Star Wars. Yeah. If I had to critique it, that's the problem with it is it's trying so hard to be a space drama and epic and opera that it bypasses Star Trek entirely and goes straight into space fantasy. Yeah. 
That's like, and that's and that's what this last season felt like. Right. And I'm like, okay, well maybe they can be their own thing. Uh, but then they started introducing the Federation thing again. They started going back to the Star Trek thing, and I'm like, well, all right, well they just okay, whatever. They're still trying <laughs> to stay to stay homed in on on mm-hmm. what the core of it is, but at the same time, none of the outskirts of what they're doing makes sense. No, none of no, it as far it. as traditional Star Trek. And when I'm saying traditional Star Trek, I'm saying everything but Discovery. Yeah, I'm not yeah. saying like, oh, 90 Star Trek was best Star Trek. Original series has its time. Enterprise has its time. Yeah. Voyager has its time. You know, as, as much as I think, you know, Next Generation and DS9 were two yeah. and one, um, I, I still give credit to a lot of the other series. My problem yeah. is I don't see Discovery falling any of the guidelines and i see it more as the csi of star trek especially when they brought in there's a sequel breach how should i handle this captain uh maybe get rid of sequel because we're in the 2360s yes (laughs) yeah for god's sakes if sequel is all we have to look forward to 300 years from now i'm done I'm done with the human race entirely. I'm going to go live like a hermit for the rest of my natural life. Hey, sequel powers all the enterprises, man. (laughs) What else do we got? Uh, Well, uh, we do have, and actually, the, um, I guess, a new animated series? Yes, Star Trek Prodigy. Yeah, and and it's going to be starring uh, classic, well, I guess classic now. Uh, Kate, Star Trek. It's over Kate, twenty Kate, years Kate, old. It's classic. So it's classic. Yes, yeah, so it's classic. So Kate McGrew is going to uh, reprise her role as Janeway, as Captain, Captain Janeway. Catherine Janeway, of, animated uh, Catherine Janeway. Yes. Um, uh, so she is providing the voice for Captain Catherine Janeway on Star Trek: Prodigy, which will debut on Nickelodeon as well as on Paramount Plus. Yeah. So I don't know. It looks like it might be more kid oriented. Right, so definitely more kid oriented. Maybe in the kind of realm of like Star Wars Rebels or or something like that, uh, where like it still attracts a mature audience, but it's you know not super serious, so it has. I I see all. this fitting the Star Wars Rebels niche yeah. very very well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, obviously, the art style is very appealing to. Um, again, that rebels kind of fantasy, it's the stretched out characters, the much more narrow, sleek faces, Mm -hmm. um, very obviously CGI, not trying Mm -hmm. to be photorealistic, almost like the CGI anime style. Um, and, and we've all seen that kind of artwork. Um, but looks like uh, they got, looks like they got the robot from portal two in there. Right. I I don't hate you. (laughs) Sorry. That's the turret. That's the turret. That's not Atlas. Right. Yeah, it's um, right, but uh, it looks interesting. I'm, uh, it could be. I'm definitely going to check this out. I'll check uh, it out. My daughter's been interested in Star Trek, and I've been looking for the right way to introduce her to it. It's like, here's Star Trek Picard. Oh, wait, no, sorry. Everyone dies. You know uh, what's funny? <laughs> is is my, my four-year-old uh, was actually sitting down with me and was very interested in watching the original animated Star Trek series. Really? Yeah. The old Hanna-Barbera Wow. Uh, uh, voiced by the original cast. Right. Uh, he was sitting there watching the forgotten it with me. He, series. Yeah. Yeah. And he was like, he was digging it. Right. He was like, yeah, this is good. Um, <laughs> yeah. Miss will sit down with me occasionally and she'll watch some TNG and DS9. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I'm actually going to start her on Voyager. I think that's an easier intro for easier a seven-year-old. Yeah. Old. yeah. Uh, eight-year-old. Excuse me. God, she's eight yeah. now. Yeah. Oh, she's. <laughs> Ugh. Where did my little girl go? 
Oh, right. Oh. She's eight now. She's eight now. She's not little. Well, you still got another little, little one right behind her. I'm so. six foot five. My girl is not little. <laughs> <laughs> My girl passes for some adults I've bought coffee from a Starbucks. <laughs> yeah. Welcome to life as a parent. Yep. All right. We did get a $6.99 Canadian donation. Thank you, Kaka. Kaka Pepe. Kaka Pepe. Kaka Pepe. Thank you. Uh, does drama happen behind the scenes on YouTube between tech channels? Uh, we talk to each other. Yeah. Think, we are we, all aware we, of any BS that's happening yeah. from a manufacturer to a to a tech channel. Yeah. From Linus on down to... to yeah. To me and even... And, and lower than that. We're all kind of connected. We all have, mm. have friends in the industry. We yeah. all talk to the same hardware reps. We all talk to the same vendors. M yes. Most of, most, of the, most of the outside projected drama is mostly manufactured fake drama. Yes, you are like, correct. Like that, like that stuff with Bite My Bits, that's all right. fake stuff. Right. Um, yeah. Bite My Bits we generated a feud out of thin air, <laughs> and so I sued him. And... Yeah. <laughs> You can talk to my lawyer about the rest. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, but yeah, no, uh, we talk to each other behind the scenes. Uh, we all kind of know the gist of what's going on with different manufacturers, different OEMs, who's asking this, who's taking payment for reviews, who's, yeah, we, we know. It shouldn't happen, but we know. So, yeah. Uh, is there drama? Not really, because no. we're all in the same industry. It's kind of like race car drivers. It's like, oh, this person totally hates this person. No, they don't. They just race against them. Mm -hmm. You know, we're like Formula One. No one actually hates each other. Yeah. I'll say that on the track and I'll say that on camera. I'll say on camera, I'm not a fan of, of uh, X YouTube channel because they review things differently than me and they cause problems for me. I'll, I'll say that Gamers Nexus, since they posted their, uh, you're mounting AIOs the wrong way, has resulted in like a million comments about how I mounted all my AIOs the wrong way. And I'm, I'm you know, wrong about everything that I've ever yeah. done because I didn't listen to, to Jesus Steve. <laughs> However, I still fully respect Steve. I've, I've talked to him off camera. A great guy. Lots of fun. Have no problems yeah. with him. I disagree with some of his, of his review style, but there's no beef behind it. But there's, there's no like, beef. Yeah, there's no beef. I'm still gonna have a beer with him at CES next time. Yeah. Like, oh yeah. 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 There's there's no beef. Yeah. There there's a couple of beefs that I'm aware of. I'm not gonna mention them here. They exist. They exist for personal reasons, not YouTube reasons. Yeah. Joe said the said the RX 6900 XT was the best graphics card ever made, but Gamers Nexus Steve says it's the R RTX 3090. Who will win in a battle royale fight to the death? It's Joe versus Steve on Tuesday night benchmark, y'all. Yeah, right. That doesn't exist. That doesn't work. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Uh, and last but not least, yes, the best Star Trek that has been released this decade. Yes, the 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 one of the, of the new Trek. This is my favorite. 
is uh lower decks lower decks is lower it's decks. actually i mean i kind of criticized it the first season when it came out uh because i kind of expected more because it, but you watched it, it a second time i watched it and i i i kind of enjoyed it and right. I, I, of of the three between discovery picard and, and lower decks i like lower decks the best yeah just because it's light it's fun it's got some 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 reference humor to it it's really good Lower Decks, I was so afraid that Paramount was going to try to anti-meme themselves. Yeah. And if you know what I mean by that, it is that Paramount would go to extreme Mm -hmm. lengths to prop up Picard and Discovery so other people would watch it and it would get better Mm -hmm. rankings Mm -hmm. and ratings. Uh, What ended up happening is Lower Decks ended up not taking itself seriously at all and, in fact, poked fun at every other franchise with ruthless abandon. Yeah, it was pretty funny. They parodied yeah. themselves. You're and, my chadich. Yeah, uh, it and was, it was and great. the packlids are are now you know something to be taken seriously, and and all the little problems that could ever happen based on uh, some weird circumstances, like uh, yeah. you know, you guys are smart, and I wanted to be smart too, so I plugged yeah. my brain into the computer yeah. core, and now the core is going crazy. <laughs> Don't you talk about my dad? You know, <laughs> like. All of that is in there, and it is yeah. so great. Yeah, it's it's not what I would call high sci-fi. It's not your traditional Star Trek, but it is the most entertaining. It exists it within canon. It's a yep. very fun ride, um, and overall, it's just a great show. Yeah. Um, like like I was John and I were trying to compare it to like season one Rick and Morty. Like who had the better debut? Because Rick and Morty season one is pretty epic as far as I, TV series go. I would I would say Rick and Morty. The writing is a little more clever. And um, and we kind of went with Rick and Morty, but it's a very close second to Lower Decks yeah. because you're going like episode one, great. Episode two, yeah. also great, maybe like five percent less. Episode yeah. three, I could probably do without. Although episode three was. Uh, uh, Anatomy Park in Rick and Morty, yeah. and then Episode Four was uh, Meeseeks and Destroy, which was which Jerry in the Meeseeks classic, box, yeah. which yeah, is like great. one of the classic Best, episodes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Followed by Episode Five, which was the the uh, you're on a simulation inside a simulation inside a simulation, uh, yeah. which is also one of the classic Rick and Morty episodes. Mm-hmm. They also had a couple of others that were like, yeah, that's an okay episode later yeah. in the season. But you've got interdimensional cable. You've got the original pilot. You've got a cliffhanger yeah. at the end. Like, it's a great, it's great it's opening season. Yeah. And Lower Decks, I think I could have only done without, like, maybe one of the episodes. And the rest are either yeah. good or great. I think I think it has potential to become, uh, I, I'm going to say, more like a mix between Futurama and Rick and Morty. Yeah. I would think. Uh, because they do have like all the science stuff going on, so they could do some crazy stuff like that, very similar to Rick and Morty. Yeah, but it's also in the future, and they don't take remember anything can be ex- much like- anything can be explained if you can sum it up in two sentences with a witty. <laughs> yeah, tachyon particles are right somehow. Yeah. Something something tachyon <laughs> particles with the deflector dish. Oh my god, yeah. I didn't think yeah. of that. Yeah, why would we do that? Right. Well, it was a Futurama. You got to put some kind of simple metaphor behind it. Yeah. <laughs> like, like putting too much air in a balloon and yeah, something like bad a... happens. <laughs> yeah. Right. So, yeah, there, there's that. I, I do think you're you're exactly right. Somewhere between Rick and Morty and Futurama with a mix of both and kind of the best aspects of both. Yeah. Um, and 
I'm honestly very curious to see where season two goes. Yeah, it'd be good. I, I think I think it could work itself into something better. Um, but you know, as as long as the writers of the uh, of Picard and um, Voyager stay away from it, <laughs> then I think we'll be okay. <laughs> I want I'm the writers for episodes one, four, five, six, eight, nine, ten. Yeah, that's what I want. Yeah, those were good. Yeah. Uh, yeah, if those writers can stay on board and give all of the in references to uh, to the writers of uh, of lower decks, I think we'll all be better for it. If the yeah. the writers of two, three, and seven get a hold, God help us all. Yes. <laughs> we'll anyway, see. this anyway. has been episode one hundred seventy eight here on Talking Heads, your once week live show for the latest in beer and tech news every Wednesday night at eight pm Pacific time on YouTube. Thank you so much for watching. If you're interested in uh, helping the content along and you like what you see here, think about joining the Patreon or Float Plane. Links are both down in the video description. Mm -hmm. As a bonus, you'll get exclusive access to the, to the Discord server where you can keep the chat going with myself, John, Rhett, Steve, and all of the hosts from Talking Heads and the ever-growing community over there. Uh, Steve, I know you don't do anything in the infosphere, but you got anything to plug, anything you want to say? Uh, yeah, I would like uh, a nap more often i don't think anybody can provide that for me but i just like to say that <laughs> i could use more naps i took one today yeah. in fact yeah no i'd like that but no uh before we started the stream actually after we started the stream but 14 minutes before we went live i mentioned that i got my second covid shot today and it feels like i've been oh, yes. shot in the arm yes uh so yeah i took a nap today <laughs> okay that makes sense you yeah. deserve it yeah yeah there we go but yeah, we'll be we'll be in the after party shortly, I guess, right? Yep. Yeah, yep. join us in the after party over on the Discord. Uh, we usually do that from about ten thirty to midnight uh, Pacific time. It is always a great time. Jeff is hammered. It's a wrap. Yeah, you're not wrong. This He's is all of fifteen percent. Yes. Um, I still I still have one more to go. So I think I can still walk a straight line. So I'm I'm doing all right. You're okay. Well, you're gonna have to find the bathroom after this. I'm sure. <laughs> I will. Yes. <laughs> uh, thank you so much for joining us. And as always, we will see you next Wednesday. See you guys. Cheers, everyone. All right. Now, the great thing would be if I just let the camera roll for another 15 minutes. Oh, yeah, because we screwed up. At because the first I screwed up the minutes. intro. <laughs> I just, you should take it in with you to the bathroom. Goodbye, everyone. <laughs> Goodbye.